and more at sacredheartradio.com. Thursday, the 12th of October, the Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, you accompanied your doubting disciples on the road to Emmaus. Sustain your church in our daily journey of faith. You do not disappoint those who hope in your mercy. Remember that we are slow to believe and strengthen our faith. You guide those who walk in darkness. Teach your paths to all who seek the road to life. O God, you are our guide and guard along life's paths. Lead us in the ways of justice and love, righteousness and peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along here on a Thursday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. Travis has got our feed up and running. and You can access it through the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com if you want to watch the Sunrise Morning Show this morning. We've been going through a, a work of St. Albert the Great with Father Robert Nixon. Today we're going to talk more about humility uh, he'll be on with us live from Australia. Brendan Hodge will look at abortion statistics in Ohio ahead of the big vote on Issue 1 this November. Father Brett Patrick Briscoe has thoughts on Blessed Carlo Acutis this morning. He recently uh, got to give a talk about Blessed Carlo, and Carlo's mom was in the congregation. So we'll talk to him about how that went. And uh, many of you either know somebody or perhaps you have been in a case where you struggled with depression. And pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast has some thoughts from a Catholic perspective on how to address that. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The White House is confirming at least 22 Americans were killed and 17 are missing following Hamas's attack on Israel. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said those numbers could rise and a number of Americans are also being held hostage by the Palestinian militant group Hamas. Kirby said the administration is doing all it can to try to locate missing Americans. Pope Francis, meanwhile, has called on Hamas to release all of the hostages they've taken. Speaking to thousands at his weekly general audience yesterday, the Holy Father said Israel did have a right to defend itself. Still, the Pope said he was very worried by the total siege that Israel has placed on the Gaza Strip, where there have been so many innocent victims. More than 2,000 people have been killed in this conflict so far, and Hamas is believed to be holding around 150 hostages. Pope Francis said the Middle East does not need war, but peace, a peace built on justice, on dialogue, and on the courage to be fraternal. The Holy Father also appealed for solidarity for the people of Afghanistan who are suffering after several earthquakes in the past week. 
From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In his appeal, Pope Francis expressed concern for the Afghan people, highlighting the immense human toll that these natural disasters have caused, with thousands of lives lost, including a significant number of women and children. The Pope also acknowledged the plight of the displaced persons who have been left in the wake of this calamity. Rivolgo un pensiero speciale alla popolazione dell'Afghanistan. I address a special thought to the people of Afghanistan who are suffering in the aftermath of the devastating earthquake that has struck, causing thousands of victims, including many women and children and displaced persons, the Pope said in his appeal. An earthquake which struck on the 8th of October had a magnitude of 7.6 on the Richter scale, making it a significant and destructive seismic event. It occurred in the northern region of the country near the Hindu Kush mountain range, causing widespread devastation. The quake's epicenter was located in a remote and mountainous area, which has further complicated relief efforts. Many villages in the vicinity were either severely damaged or completely obliterated. This disaster has left thousands of people dead, injured or missing, and it has forced countless others to flee their homes in search of safety. Urgent humanitarian aid is needed for food, clean water, medical supplies and shelter. On Wednesday, another 6.3 magnitude earthquake shook western Afghanistan in Herat province. Pope Francis has called upon everyone to unite and contribute to the relief and recovery efforts in Afghanistan. I invite all people of goodwill to help this people already so sorely tried, contributing in a spirit of fraternity to alleviate the suffering of the people and to support the necessary reconstruction. I am Francesca Merlo. The United Auto Workers strike is adding more members to the picket lines. The union tweeted yesterday that 8,700 members at Ford's Kentucky truck plant are joining the strike after Ford, quote, refused to make further movement in bargaining, end quote. Large F-Series pickups are made at this plant, which are one of Ford's more profitable vehicles. Union workers have been picketing against Ford, GM, and Stellantis for more than a month now. Meanwhile, talks between Hollywood Studios and actor the Actors Union are suspended after negotiations broke down yesterday. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which represents the studio's says the two sides are just still too far apart. The strike has been going on for three months now. In Washington, House Republicans are nominating Majority Leader Steve Scalise to be the next Speaker of the House. Mark Mayfield reports. The Louisiana lawmaker secured the nomination 113-99 in a closed-door Republican conference meeting yesterday, defeating Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Scalise will now take his candidacy to the House floor, where he'll need to win the support of the majority of the chamber to take control of the gavel. This comes after Kevin McCarthy was ousted from the Speaker's chair last week. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the Major League Baseball postseason continued yesterday. The Arizona Diamondbacks completed a three-game sweep of the Los Angeles Dodgers with a 4-2 victory in Game 3 of the NLDS at Chase Field. Arizona is advancing to its first NLCS appearance since 2007. In Minnesota, the reigning champion Houston Astros punched their ticket to the ALCS for the seventh straight year with a 3-2 win over the Twins at Target Field. The Astros will now take on AL West rival Texas Rangers in the ALCS. Another action, the Philadelphia Phillies trounced the Atlanta Braves 10-2 at Citizens Bank Park. The Braves will visit the Phillies for Game 4 of the NLDS today. That's going to be an intense one. A lot of superstars in that Phillies and Braves mm-hmm. matchup. Yeah. A lot of future superstars on that Diamondbacks team. 
I am amazed by this. I don't know. I just did not expect the Dodgers to be swept. Well, you know, the problem is, is with the Dodgers, they're one of those big market teams and uh, there's certain elements who want to see like the, the really, really big market teams go all the way so you can get like the really, really big market money and big market views. Mm -hmm. I remember, uh, well, it's one of those things where unfortunately, whenever the Dodgers lose, people spend less time talking about how great the Diamondbacks did and, you know, more time talking about what the, what the Dodgers need to do next season. Well, the like, Diamondbacks... Hey, can we talk about the Diamondbacks? The Diamondbacks need to be humble. They need to be humble. Well, they got, like, Rookie of the Year on their team. If they're truly humble, then they would be okay with this. Is this a segue to Father Nixon's segment? It's totally a segue to Father Nixon's segment. It's a good one. <laughs> Pride goeth before a fall. Indeed. Indeed. As we will soon find out. As we have already found out. Today... Today is Thursday, October the 12th. It is the Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis. Pray for us. More on him a little later this hour. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Robert Nixon. He's a Benedictine at New Norcia in Australia and translator of the Tan Resurrection series. We are going through the book, The Paradise of the Soul, 42 Virtues to Reach Heaven by St. Albert the Great. Father Nixon, welcome back. Thank you very much, Eddie. It's great to be with you today to talk about this very important virtue. Yes, so today we are on to the second virtue that Albert highlights in this book. We started with love, which makes sense. Then one might expect faith or hope to be next, right? Because you think of faith, hope, and love. Um, But he chooses humility. Why is that? Uh, I think he chooses humility very wisely because although uh, faith, hope, and love are the theological virtues, the very first sin, uh, the origin of sin, is pride. Mm. And humility is what so powerfully counteracts pride. And so humility is a solid basis on which all of the other virtues can can grow and flourish in in a, in a uh, solid type of way. But without humility, it's very difficult for any of the virtues, uh, other virtues, really to develop properly and to have their proper effect. That's such a good point. So how does St. Albert describe true humility? I have to admit it was kind of hard to swallow. <laughs> yes. Um, so he says that true humility Uh, does not desire to be recognized for what it is. So uh, this, I think, is very interesting. Um, He he goes on to say that it prefers not to receive praise or approval because it knows that all glory and honor belongs to God. In a way, for a person to be treated as unexceptional is a sign of true humility. Um, if a person, if, if they're always being noticed, if other people are always noticing how humble someone is, then it, it could well be a sign that the humility is, is being worn for show rather than being genuine. So true humility is the humility that people don't notice. And this sounds so difficult, the way that he... The way that he describes this or encourages us to to take on humility, to even 
reject any praise that you aren't even necessarily seeking. Yeah. Yeah, well, now this is interesting because he says the humble person feels saddened when he hears himself yeah. being praised. Knowing Now, I, I think that's actually different from rejecting the praise because sure. I think rejecting praise can actually sometimes, you know, draw attention to it, mm-hmm. um, draw attention point. to humility. If someone says you did a fantastic job and you say, oh, no, no, it was nothing at all, okay, that's different from not taking a great deal of joy in the fact that you're praised. Does that make sense, that there is a there is an actual slight difference between rejecting praise and not um, being, uh, being elated at receiving praise? So I think we don't need to reject it, but at the same time, if we prefer not to be praised than to be praised, that's a good thing. That's a sign of true humility. Would it be appropriate to say thank you if you are praised? I mean, this is yeah, where I, you, I, I you sat know, here I, thinking, I, like, I, how I think, do I do this? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I thank you is actually the best way of accepting praise. Mm. Um, because when we reject the praise or argue against it, we're actually prolonging the discussion of of the praise of mm-hmm. how how worthy we are of praise, or if we go on about it, oh thank you, you know, and then you talk about it. But a, a simple thank you, I think, is is the very best way because it involves a, a certain humility. You're accepting what's the other person has said, um, but you're not dwelling on it. You're kind of moving on. So thank you, and then you can move on to something else, which I think is is the very best approach. So what are the signs of someone who may, well, I mean, I think all of us probably recognize that we want to be humble and we try to be humble, but what are the signs that we have an inner pride? So um, he mentions one particular sign of inner pride where we we place ourselves mentally before others or we expect to be placed before others. Um, even if we don't make a big show about it or a point of it, um, within our hearts, we expect that to take place. Uh, That's a a very dangerous form of inner pride. He also says that a proud person can be recognised by their flamboyant style of clothing, a grinning facial expression and a swaggering gait. Now, that's very interesting. That, I think, is typical of medieval thought. They believed that whatever a person's character was came through in the way that they walk and spoke and bore themselves in general. Um, I, I think there's an element of truth in that. Probably not. Um, it's probably not an infallible guide as to someone's character, but I think uh, Albert the Great, um, with his scientific approach to life, he really believed that, that these external signs gave away a person's character. I mean, this is kind of, or at least one of the reasons that that you, for instance, as a Benedictine monk, wear a habit, right? That that is uh, that's exactly so. And so the habit is, you know, it looks the same for everyone. We're all wearing exactly the same habit, and um, it means we don't have a choice each day about, you know, what our set of clothes is going to be. Mm-hmm. So we don't just distinguish between our taste in clothes or how much money we've got to spend on clothes, but we just wear the same thing. And it's deliberately um, of a subdued colour. In our case, it's black. With other orders, it's white or brown, but it's never, uh, you know, a bright or showy type of thing. 
And finally, Father, I mean, we we talk about how this could be difficult to foster in our own lives in the way that St. Albert describes it. But then he invites us to, well, think about God. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think thinking about God um, is the basis of true humility. So um, the humility where we're thinking about ourselves and, you know, our own shortcomings and so forth, that's a kind of humility, but a, a deeper and better form of humility arises from our focus purely being on God. And he says we don't need to compare ourselves with other people. We don't need to turn our gaze to ourself, but turn our gaze to the goodness and the glory of God. And then our own humility will follow that as a natural uh, outcome. God, who is humility incarnate i mean it is unreal thinking about the lord the creator of heaven and earth becoming human the ultimate ultimate humility we've been talking to father robert nixon the book is called the paradise of the soul by saint albert the great you can find it from tan books in their resurrection series and also linked at sunrisemorningshow.com father thank you so much Thank you, Eddie. God bless you, and God bless all your listeners. Thank you, Father. You too. All right, it's 17 past. We're back with headlines right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. Human beings are God's greatest masterpiece. Every person is made in the image and likeness of God. But every saint, that is every person who accepts God's invitation, his upward call to make them holy, And so every story presents us with a unique masterpiece that God is writing. The Journey Home, tonight, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Radio and Television. Hey, I know that. I know that theme music. That's the theme music for the other show I work on. Is that tonight? No, it's not tonight. Monday night. It's Monday night. Monday night. We got a good one. Catherine Whitaker's on on Monday night. You know her. Here's Anna with headlines. The White House is confirming at least 22 Americans were killed and 17 are missing following Hamas's attack on Israel. 
Pope Francis, during his general audience yesterday, called on Hamas to release all of the hostages they've taken in this conflict. And in his general audience catechesis, the Holy Father focused on St. Josephine Paquita as an exemplar of apostolic zeal. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. You know, I was reading through the first reading at Mass uh, this morning from Malachi chapter 3. And uh, it says in around verse 17, They shall be mine, said the Lord of hosts, my own special possession on the day when I take action. Uh, In some translations, and you'll see this a few other places in the scripture where uh, that'll be translated as a peculiar people. A peculiar Peculiar people. people, Which peculiar in uh, today's vernacular means weird or strange. But it comes from a word that has to do with like cattle. And was usually a way of saying, this cattle is specifically mine. It is not your cattle. Oh, interesting. So we're like branded. Peculiar means something that is uniquely possessed by one particular person. Hmm. I like that. If you hear peculiar, it doesn't just mean weird. It originally meant belonging specifically to one person. So you're a peculiar person. You belong to God. It's 21 past. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life, Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Hauk, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell, the Golden Evening for Life. October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. In the past decade, more people have chosen natural or green options when planning a funeral, and the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help. Natural or green burials are actually quite traditional. It's how people were laid to rest for most of human history. Find out more about natural or green options for burial or cremation at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, where they also offer zero financing for pre-planning. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or at cccsohio.org. Brendan Hodge joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic Blog. He's author of If You Can Get It, a novel from Ignatius Press, and is a contributing editor to The Pillar as well. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Good to be on with you. It is good to have you back. And the Ohio Department of Health recently released the 2022 abortion report 
for the state and uh, wanted to talk to you about this to get some of the data from there as Ohio is looking ahead to the November election with issue one, which if passed would enshrine a right to abortion in the state constitution. And um, yeah, I think some of these numbers will have some, I don't know, some force in terms of um, how people look at what is at stake in Ohio. So what was the total for the year in terms of abortions in Ohio in 2022? And how does that compare to recent years in the state? So in Ohio in 2022, there were 18,488 abortions. That represents an abortion rate of 7.8 abortions per thousand reproductive age women. And that actually represents a significant decrease, an 18% decrease from the previous year in 2021, when there were more than 20,000 abortions. Um, Ohio, like a lot of the country, had seen a trend over um, sort of over the long period that abortions increased rapidly in the 1970s, peaked in 1982, and then kind of went on a long, slow decline. So you could see the efforts of pro-life laws and pro-life culture in Ohio to reduce abortions from a high of just over 45,000 in 1982, when, of course, there were also fewer people in Ohio. So that, that was a much higher abortion rate, down to about 20,000 in the last 10 years since 2012. And then uh, what we saw last year is that there was a drop from that uh, 20,000 number to 18,000. Now, Ohio's heartbeat law went into effect the day that Roe v. Wade was overturned. So June 24th, 2022, the Ohio Attorney General got a judge to unblock the heartbeat law that had been on the books for I don't remember how long, but obviously could not go into effect with with Roe being the law of the land. So it was in effect from June 24th until September 14th when a judge blocked it, claiming that it was against the Ohio Constitution. Now, um, I know the abortion report doesn't uh, break this down month by month, so I guess we can't really say this for sure, Brendan, but do you think it's likely that this huge drop um, from 2021 to 2022 um, could at least in part be due to the heartbeat law? I do think that that would make a lot of sense. Uh, there aren't really a lot of other factors that we would see which would cause such a dramatic change. And one thing that does stand out is um, the report does break down the number of abortions by the point in pregnancy. So mm-hmm. it, did, it looks at the difference between abortions that took place before nine weeks, nine to 12 weeks, 13 to 18 weeks, 19 to 20, and then 21 plus. And what we see is that there was a significantly larger decrease in those later term abortions, so abortions after nine weeks, whereas there was a fairly small decrease in abortions before nine weeks. Mm. So I think that we were seeing that heartbeat bill come into effect and significantly reduce the number of abortions later in the pregnancy, 
while having an effect, but less of an effect on the number of abortions in those first nine weeks. And this is significant because if issue one in Ohio were to fail, which means that abortion would not be enshrined in the Ohio Constitution, presumably a judge would not be able to continue blocking the heartbeat law any further. So um, that could go into effect and presumably see another large decrease in the amount of abortions in Ohio. Do you think? Yes. Yes, precisely. So could you talk more about the number of abortions that were performed um, on out-of-state residents? I think this also significant, uh, given that Indiana and Kentucky um, both have abortion bans, so there would be uh, women coming in from out-of-state, presumably in Ohio. Yes, that's, that's an interesting thing that we see here. So when we look at the abortions performed on Ohio residents, uh, those went down from 20,700 to 17,200, so a drop of 3,500. However, when we look at the number of abortions performed on out-of-state residents, those actually increased in 2022 by about 200. So they went from 1,100 to 1,300. Probably what we are seeing there is that uh, an additional 200 women came in from out-of-state in order to receive abortions in Ohio. Mm. Uh, just quickly, Brendan, anything else that, that stands out in this report to you um, in light of issue one coming up next month? I think the other thing that really stands out here is the importance of providing pro-life support to women in pregnancy. The yeah. By far the largest number of women who received abortions were unmarried women in their 20s who already had one or two children and were not using any kind of contraception when they got pregnant. Wow. So those are the people who are needing help, and those are people who don't have a lot of support in society. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brendan Hodge, really appreciate you looking into this. We've got the Darwin Catholic blog linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you can find all of our guests linked on a daily basis at sonrisemorningshow.com. Click on the show notes for the day. That's also where after the show you can find our podcast with little markers. If you would like to share, for instance, that interview with Brendan just now, you can go in, click on the marker for Brendan Hodge, click share, and then there's a little little time stamp that you can check and copy the link for that. You can send people directly to any of the interviews. SONRiseMorningShow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. U.S. lawmakers are asking the Biden administration to freeze $6 billion in Iranian assets during Israel's war with Hamas. The funds were unfrozen last month as part of a prisoner exchange with Iran. Senate Republicans and some Democrats are now calling on the administration to put those funds on hold again following the attack on Israel, saying there is a risk the money could be used to help fund Hamas. Meanwhile, the president has said the U.S. is doing everything it can to bring Americans taken hostage by Hamas home. Mark Mayfield reports. That's what President Biden told a roundtable of Jewish leaders at the White House Wednesday while speaking on the war. He added that the U.S. is committed to ensuring Israel has what it needs to defend itself. The president called the Hamas attack on Israel over the weekend the deadliest day for Jews since the Holocaust. At least 22 Americans have been killed in the conflict and 17 are missing. It's not clear at this time how many Americans are being held hostage. 
I'm Mark Mayfield. The war between Israel and and Hamas is now on day five, and the fighting has left more than 2,200 people dead. Israel's ground forces are getting ready near the Gaza border, and one Israeli spokesperson said the fighting is only going to intensify. Meanwhile, Pope Francis has called on Hamas to release all of the hostages that they have taken. Hamas is believed to be holding around 150 of them. The Pope said, quote, Terrorism and extremism do not help to reach a solution to the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians, but fuel hatred, violence, and revenge, causing suffering to both sides. Also during his general audience yesterday, the Holy Father prayed for the victims of the earthquakes in Afghanistan. He said, I invite all people of goodwill to help this people already so sorely tried, contributing in a, in a spirit of fraternity to alleviate the suffering of the people and to support the necessary reconstruction. For his general audience catechesis, the Holy Father continued his series on saints who exemplify apostolic zeal, focusing this time on St. Josephine Bakita. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Luboff reports. St. Josephine Bakita, with her example, Pope Francis says, shows us the way to finally be free of our slavery and fears, to unmask our hypocrisies and selfishness, to reconcile with ourselves and find peace in our families and communities, and offers us a light of hope in these difficult times of mistrust and distrust of others. Recalling the saint's origins in martyred Sudan, he said, sadly, for months, Sudan has been torn apart by a terrible armed conflict about which little is said today. Let us pray for the Sudanese people that they may live in peace. In spite of unspeakable suffering, the Holy Father insisted, St. Paquita's fame crossed all borders and reached all those who were denied identity and dignity as he urged faithful to be inspired by the powerful witness of St. Paquita. Born in Darfur, Sudan, the Pope recalled Josephine was kidnapped as a child and sold into slavery. Despite the violence and terrible sufferings she endured, he observed, she never despaired. The Holy Father recalled how the crucifix sustained her, noting that one day she was given a small crucifix, and she, who had never possessed anything, kept it as a treasure. In Christ's cross, the Holy Father suggested, she discovered the source of a merciful love that affirms our innate dignity as God's children, brings true freedom, and enables us to forgive and indeed love those who wrong us. The life of St. Josephine Makita, he remembered, reveals the power of God's grace to transform lives, to resolve conflicts, and to bring about justice, reconciliation, and peace so greatly needed in our time. Pope Francis concluded by encouraging faithful to join him in entrusting ourselves to her prayers and asking especially for the gift of peace for our brothers and sisters in war-torn Sudan. I'm Zora Castellano-Lubov. House Republicans are nominating Majority Leader Steve Scalise to be the next Speaker of the House. The Louisiana lawmaker secured the nomination 113 to 99 in a closed-door Republican conference meeting, defeating Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Scalise will now take his candidacy to the House floor, where he will need to win the support of the majority of the chamber to take control of the gavel. This coming after Kevin McCarthy was ousted from the speaker's chair last week. The United Auto Workers strike is adding more members to the picket lines. The union tweeted yesterday that 8,700 members at Ford's Kentucky truck plant are joining the strike after Ford said, they say, refused to make further movement in the bargaining. That's the news. It's 35 past the hour.
When you click subscribe at sacredheartradio.com, you get our show notes in your inbox with links to everything featured on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith. To know when your favorite guests are on, go to sacredheartradio.com and click subscribe. Schneller and Aquaman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee because our work is done right the first time for all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life, Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Answer the call to the front lines for life. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis, Thursday, October the 12th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockleman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to get warmer pretty quickly today. Right now, it's kind of chilly with temperatures in the upper 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny and warmer today with a high of 78 degrees. Clear skies tonight and mild with an overnight low of 55. Mostly sunny with the possibility of some late evening showers and storms tomorrow and a high of 78. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, becoming mostly sunny today with a high of 77 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 52. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow and a high of 78 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Father Patrick Briscoe from Our Sunday Visitor. And you can find him linked at osv.com. We've got him put up there at sunrisemorningshow.com as well. Father Briscoe, how are you? Hey, good morning, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Great to be with you. Let's talk about Blessed uh, Carlo Acutis. And you've got some interesting connections here to explore and share with us this morning. Tell us about that. As you're pointing out, it's just such a great month for saints. And one of the one of the saints that we're going to celebrate on October 12th is Blessed Carlo Acutis. And if you haven't heard of Blessed Carlo, uh, let me just tell you, there is so much about his life that is truly extraordinary. Blessed Carlo is the first millennial to be on the path to sainthood. So I uh, I feel very connected to Blessed Carlo just because of that fact alone. You know, this is the guy who coming up from my generation. But I remember back in high school when Blessed Carlo launched his website on Eucharistic Miracles. It was the kind of thing that was being talked about, and my um, my catechism teacher actually knew about it and referred to it. And so I was on Blessed Carlo's website, you know, thousands of miles away while he was working on it. So uh, so Blessed Car- part of Blessed Carlo's story is that he was a, a computer geek. He was really, really into tech. He knew a lot about coding and uh, and really had a, had a true expertise there. And he used that interest to make catechetical websites in the early 2000s, which was, you know, groundbreaking stuff. When you think about what people do to make websites now, I mean, you can go on some page builder and, you know, you can 
know next to nothing about the internet and get on Canva and make cool graphics and uh, you know have your own little homepage and GoFundMe or whatever it is that you want to do. And Carlo was coding, man. He was doing like the original stuff, uh, which is pretty cool. My wife and I actually did a short um, bio about Carlo for uh, Liguri Publications back. Uh, it's been, gosh, I guess it's been like two years now. And it's just fascinating to see all the layers of relatability with Carlo. I think um, he sort of breaks down this sense that, you know, if you're going to be a person serious about the Catholic faith and living the sacraments, then you can't have any fun or live a normal life. When in fact, uh, here's a kid who was into soccer. Here's a kid who played video games, a kid who, you know, was trying to figure out how to do a uh, do okay in class, uh, you know, wanted to hang out with his friends, like to eat gelato. Like, you can be a person who's kind of normal and live the sacramental life and be a holy person at the same time. I know this doesn't, this shouldn't sound crazy, but I think for some of us it does feel like weird that a normal person could be a saint. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, um, you know, part, part of the reason why Carlo feels so close to us is he's, he's close to us in time. But he's close to us by by, by disposition, like you're suggesting. I, I, I had the occasion actually um, Monday of last week to preach to Blessed Carlo's mother during a mass at Catholic University of America about Blessed Carlo, which was pretty which was pretty wild. So preach, uh, you preach talk about having mother. a fact checker in the audience. My goodness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was certainly it was certainly I was certainly a little nervous for that reason. But but um, but. Being so devoted to Blessed Carlo, I was more excited than anything else. And it was the Feast of Guardian Angels. He had a great devotion to the Guardian Angel, as you, as you know. So, so that was an added gift of providence. So I had something easy to say there. But, uh, but it's the case that uh, the Blessed Carlo was fully alive. That's what everyone testifies to. That's what his mother says. That's what his parish priest says. That this this was a boy that that was just living that was living life that was living life to the full, and it was that it was that that made him so um, so appealing to people. I mean, he wasn't holier than thou. He was never judgmental. He often defended classmates when they were being made fun of or or excluded, and um, so he was known for for being generous. and And he was okay with the times that. Being faithful, the times that uh, really living the faith ostracized him, and he lived those moments, those moments well, um, never, never betraying the church, never betraying what he thought was right. Yeah, little things um, that I discovered as I was putting together his story, like when some of his classmates would make you know disrespectful comments about the girls at the pool or whatever, he'd be like, "Hey guys, uh, that's not cool." <laughs> you know, I mean, it wasn't. That's not how you say it in Italian. But he would. I mean, he would stand up for those little moral opportunities, those little moral moments. Um, there's another story that I found about how he had walked all, all the way up the hill in a CZ to go buy a gelato and got halfway down the hill in the middle of the summer and realized they'd uh, given him too much change back. So he walked all the way back up the hill and uh, gave back the change. These are not like massive decisions, right? These are not like massive heroic moments of martyrdom, but they do take a little bit of effort, man, a little bit of virtue, a little bit of, uh, you know, you trying to make the right thing when the easy thing would be right in front of you, which is to just let it go and live your life. But but he took those opportunities. Yeah, that's exactly right. Pursuing virtue. And, and that that was huge for Blessed Carlo, and he did so intentionally. I think that, that a lot of us are tempted to just kind of hope that if we bumble along, we'll live a good enough life. 
but that wasn't the way that Monte Carlo lived. You know, he, he was very intentional about pursuing virtue and about growing uh, always in the spiritual life and, and the way that he lived. And so it was that kind of, uh, it, it was that, that sense of determination really that, that drove, really that drove him um, in pursuit of holiness. So after giving that, you know, little exposition on the life of Carlo, did you get to actually talk to his mom? Did she review you? Did she did she tell you how it, how it went? Or <laughs> oh yes, we we, uh, we spent quite a bit of time together. Actually, we walked across campus and then attended a dinner. And uh, in that conversation, I asked her, you know, a number of questions. But but uh, but my favorite was I asked her if she had a favorite Eucharistic miracle. And she started to say because of course, Blessed Carlo was very devoted to spreading the word about Eucharistic miracles, right? And she started to say, well, Luciano, because it's the original. And then she paused and she said, no, actually, so coca, because, because of the heart tissue. She thought it was so beautiful that that, that Eucharistic host was transformed into the heart of Christ. So I was very moved by that. Well, thanks so much, Father Patrick Briscoe from Our Sunday Visitor. You can find him linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. And we'll be talking a little bit more about the uh, book that my wife and I wrote on Carlo Acutis. It's a booklet. It's not that big. Uh, But we found some really cool, fun stuff um, that I did not know before. And, uh, yeah, we'll discuss some of those details coming up here uh, around this time next hour. Right now, it is 16 minutes before the hour. Pastoral Counselor Kevin Prendergast joins us coming up next to talk about addressing depression from a Catholic perspective. Back after this. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Comboni, as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. It's the season of chunky soup and chunky sweaters, which means it's also pumpkin coffee season. And the Mystic Monks have their pumpkin spice blend in stock and ready for you to enjoy. And when you go to the Monks through sunrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on any flavor coffee or tea that you buy. Why shell out five bucks for a tall PSL when you can customize your own at home and drink it from a Sunrise Morning Show mug that you can find in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sunrisemorningshow.com. He is honored as a doctor of the church and the so-called pillar of faith. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. St. Cyril of Alexandria was patriarch of Alexandria and is famed for his defense of the Blessed Mother's title Theotokos, God-bearer at the Council of Ephesus in 431 against an Nestorian heretics who denied the union of Christ's human and divine natures. For that, he is called Doctor of the Incarnation. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 14 till. Here's Anna with headlines. The White House is confirming at least 22 Americans were killed and 17 currently missing 
following Hamas's attack on Israel this weekend. Pope Francis, during his general audience yesterday, called on Hamas to release all of the hostages they have taken. And in his general audience catechesis, continued his series on saints who exemplify apostolic zeal, focusing this time on St. Josephine Bakita. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell, did I tell you that, uh, you know, when I was at the Bible Museum, they have like this thing on uh, various ways that... You know, Catholic principles, or I'm sorry, Christian principles, biblical principles have affected various things in the world. Sure. Okay. And they had a freedom from slavery exhibit. And you can see it from, like, the lobby through, like, a big old window on the second floor. They got this massive, like, five-foot-tall sign of, like, St. Josephine Bikita up there. Wow. I was like, what is St. Josephine Bikita cool. doing at this Protestant museum? But it's ecumenical. It's ecumenical. ecumenical. I was glad to see her there. That's great. That's great. At any rate. Glad to hear it. She's a good one. She is a very good one. Very, very good one. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by pastoral counselor Kevin Prendergast. He is a licensed counselor with decades of experience, uh, both as a seminary instructor, also in private practice. Kevin, good morning. Hey, good morning, Matt. All right. I'm glad we're talking about depression, and we've talked about it a number of times before, because this is one of those things where a lot of people can self-diagnose or Mm -hmm. take something temporary and assume it's permanent or Mm -hmm. can diminish it when they really do have it and not do anything about it. So (laughs) how common really at the end of the day is depression? Yeah, that's interesting. And I think there's two extremes here. I I remember going to a friend's uh, Baptist church to hear a preacher for a revival. It was very interesting. And uh, he was from out of town, and he went on this rant about how if you only had enough faith in Jesus, you wouldn't need any of those antidepressant pills, right? Uh, And I went up and talked to him afterwards, and I said, well, you know, sometimes, Reverend, you know, maybe there's some other things we need. So that's one extreme. And the other one is uh, whenever I have any kind of uncomfortable feeling, I go to the doctor and I talk with enough primary care physicians. They get this every day. Probably 30 to 40 percent of their visits are about depression and anxiety, those kind of things. And so if somebody says, I'm restless, I'm kind of sad, I'm irritable, just don't feel like doing anything, I'm unhappy, kind of pessimistic about the state of the world, got a lot of stress. Well, it's, I need a pill, doc. And the doctors oftentimes will say, well, that may not fix everything. And, you know, I, when I first came into the field, Matt, when the newer brand of antidepressants were just being introduced, there was a lot of probably unrealistic hope that it would fix everything and uh, that it would, you know, make people better than well. And now I think we have a more balanced perspective. But what a lot of the doctors tell me is people don't want to make any kind of other changes in habits in their life. I was life. about to say, a pill can do some mm-hmm. stuff for uh, your general mm-hmm. mood, but it can't make all your life decisions for you. That's right. And, you know, when we're talking about, you know, there's a range, like with a lot of these mental health conditions, so major depression where somebody's actually not able to function, pretty much every area of their life is undermined. Uh, they're thinking about death or about, you know, taking their own life. Uh, so so over 12 months, the prevalence for that is about 7%. So most people, fortunately, don't wind up at that category. There's another kind of category of uh, which is underestimated, like with women who have delivered a baby. So uh, postpartum depression probably happens, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood. The range is like from 6 to 20%, so as many as one-fifth of the women that deliver wind up having some degree of postpartum, and that's 
biological, and, and that definitely needs some medication as well as counseling. And then, you know, some of us have this low-grade depression, which is kind of always think about it. It's like a bad case of the flu that just won't go away where we can drag ourselves into work. We just don't feel very good, feel kind of lousy, kind of like uh, Winnie the Pooh, uh, the figure of Eeyore, <laughs> who's kind of negative all the time. And sometimes, you know, some of those conditions are, it's very necessary to have medication, but others, you know, maybe we're looking, maybe again, like we said about anxiety, I'm feeling in a, a low mood and having the blues might be a sign that there's some other changes I need to make in my life. And I want to cite one study that just came out. It was a longer-term study, so they followed. Actually, this is a huge group of people in the, in the sample. 280-plus thousand people were followed over nine years. So they did blood work. They did cardio exams. And they looked at lifestyle habits. They looked at seven habits. And they found a definite correlation with reduced depression. If people could reduce three of these habits, which would be smoking, uh, nicotine use, alcohol use, and then screen time and being sedentary, just sitting on our butt. So reduce those and then increase physical activity, healthy nutrition, get better sleep, and build up your social support network belonging. And isn't that interesting? So there was a significant change in the people that did those things, those seven factors. We can't do all of them, but I think that's, that's good, more evidence that maybe we do need a medication for a while. And I always, I, I can't tell you every day, I, multiple times a day, I say, do you have a primary care doctor? Have you talked with your primary care doctor? Have you discussed this in detail? And a lot of people, you know, if we just get away from that idea, doc, I need a script. I don't have time to do all this other stuff. And I think our faith factors in here, Matt, that that's another part. Like, uh, again, depression is not going through spiritual dryness or darkness, uh, the dark night of the soul, like some people like, uh, you know, Mother Teresa went through. So this is something different. And there can be a spiritual reason, like I need to, you know, some of the spiritual writers will say, maybe God is putting me through this test here to kind of purify me or cleanse me. I need to make some changes. I need to trust in God more. Uh, my confessor always asked me to pray the uh, litany of trust, you know, as part of my penance after confession. And I like that because it's, uh, you know, to turn to God, you know, even when I'm feeling like I don't want to do anything, I'm kind of looking at the future and I'm discouraged. Well, a prayer like that, the sacraments, you know, that can also help. But the, again, we don't want to go to the extreme, like, well, if I only go to confession and mass and uh, pray every pray the rosary every day, then I won't be depressed. Everything will be God. perfect. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. like saying just become a Christian in general and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, mm -hmm. that would be true if there weren't a crucifix staring at us front and center, <laughs> right? Everywhere yeah. we turn as Catholics, because that's what it's really like. But it's fascinating to me, uh, Kevin, as you're going through and saying the ways to you know, sort of combat uh, depression through natural means, right, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are, are things like, you know, stop drinking, stop spending so much time in front of screens, uh, mm -hmm. eat better, uh, right, and uh, get out there in the world and be more with people instead of being, you know, kind of like detached and digitized and individualized. Well, what it, it seems like every single one of those things is stuff that like culturally and as consumers mm -hmm. we're being pushed in the exact opposite direction on, right? We're being pushed towards well, more alcohol use, more screen yeah. time, worse food. Yeah, yeah. And, and these are very difficult changes to make. And I had one primary care physician, you know, he kind of scoffed like, you know, I tell people about lifestyle changes and nobody wants to do it. I get one out of 
a thousand of my patients who actually want to change any one of those. So it's very difficult, and I think that's where prayer comes in. You know, God, help me to see one little thing in my life that I can make a change that would improve, you know, my body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and might help my mood and my mind. And let me not be afraid uh, or ashamed of going to get professional help to get some outside assistance if I need that. So, again, we've talked about this, that maybe lifestyle changes plus medication plus counseling. And a lot of your listeners are saying, well, that's all well and good. I understand what you're saying. I just don't have the time for that. Well, that's really not true. We've all got, you know, 168 hours every week. So what I have to look at in my life, I look myself in the mirror, is I don't have my priorities in the right order. So do I want to continue to be miserable, which I can choose to do, right? Um, Most people are about as happy as they make up their mind to be. But realize that some of us have a predisposition to significant clinical depression that needs to be treated, and we probably need multiple tools to address that rather than just a pill that's going to make me better the convenient way. So it's, it's really difficult, I think, if we have good spiritual advice, we use the sacraments, and we have frank conversations with our doctor. Certainly, if any of our listeners are thinking about uh, dying or suicide, that's clearly a sign that we need more, a higher level of help. And you were yeah. talking about that over the past few weeks as well, Yeah, uh, noting those signs. Uh, Kevin Prendergast, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Hopefully some of the people listening right now who may be in that zone, that gray area, uh, can maybe think about some of these life changes and apply them. All right. Good. Thanks, Matt. Take care. All right. We'll be back here in just a little bit with another full hour of the Sunrise Morning Show. For many of you listening across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, you can find Kevin Prendergast as well as all the guests we talked to linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. If you click on the show notes, you can actually see a video live stream embedded right there in those show notes themselves. Back right after this, it's three minutes before the hour. Father Rob Jack. Tune in to the best of Driving Home the Faith. We'll be back live Monday on October the 16th when Dr. Biff Roca will discuss his Catholic guide to the Old Testament. Alvin Louie will speak from courage as a habit. We'll also talk about St. Teresa of Avila, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's Monday, October the 16th at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. Driving home the faith. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one, theabrasiveone.com, theabrasiveone.com. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozart Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozart Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait at brozartpharmacy.com. Many times the death of a loved one occurs while they are away from home. 
Depending on the distance, this expense could cost their family tens of thousands of dollars. To help families, the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society offers the Travel Plan, which assists in bringing home a loved one if death occurs more than 100 miles from their residence. A reasonable one-time fee provides a lifetime of coverage. Find out more about the Travel Plan at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action. From fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Molly Maid of Westchester. With 30 years of trusted, quality service and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. 1-800-MOLLY-MADE or at mollymade.com. Molly Made, a clean you can trust. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. My father Jacob Berg is from St. Peter and Paul, California, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Thursday, the 12th of October. It's the Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis. Let's pray a prayer for his intercession today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Blessed Carlo, you knew the power of technology and used it to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ. You also knew the dangers of technology and were intentional in your efforts to guard your heart against them. You used the gifts you had in this world to bless others through radical charity, through seeing Christ in the face of those ignored by society through the witness of friendship, and through your natural aptitudes with technology. In our world so broken by abuses of technology and which so often ignores or attacks human dignity, please intercede for us to God the Father so that we may see the human dignity of everyone we encounter and ask for guidance from the Lord whenever we may be tempted to violate that dignity in our online interactions. Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray that we may treat our ever-evolving connections with developing technology as an opportunity to see the grace of God at work, even in the complexities of our modern world. Amen. Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along on a Thursday. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And up this hour, we will check in with Dr. Leonard DiLorenzo. He's got a book called A God Who Questions. We'll dig into that with him. Rita Heikenfeld will discuss coriander on Bible foods. Maybe you got some of that in your pantry and did not realize that it's connected to actually the Israelites and their travels in the desert. Gary Machuda has more uh, to discuss from his book, The Gospel Truth, which is all about the reliability of the gospel narratives in the New Testament. And then Courtney Brown uh, from, pardon me, from Rua Woods 
is going to discuss theology of the body curriculum for kindergarten, really laying that uh, that foundation for what it means to be a human being from an early age so that the other stuff down the road makes more sense. Two minutes past, news of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The White House is confirming at least 22 Americans have been killed and 17 remain missing following Hamas's attack on Israel over the weekend. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said those numbers could rise and a number of Americans are also being held hostage by Hamas. Kirby said the administration is doing all it can to try to locate the missing Americans. Pope Francis, meanwhile, has called on Hamas to release all of the hostages they have taken, speaking to the faithful at his weekly general audience yesterday in St. Peter's Square. The Holy Father said, also said Israel does have a right to defend itself. Still, he said he was very worried by the total siege that Israel has placed on the Gaza Strip, where there have been so many innocent victims. More than 2,000 people have been killed in the conflict so far in Hamas is believed to be holding about 150 hostages. Pope Francis said, quote, the Middle East does not need war, but peace, a peace built on justice, on dialogue, and on the courage to be fraternal, end quote. The Holy Father also appealed for solidarity for the people of Afghanistan who are suffering after several earthquakes in the past week. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In his appeal, Pope Francis expressed concern for the Afghan people, highlighting the immense human toll that these natural disasters have caused, with thousands of lives lost, including a significant number of women and children. The Pope also acknowledged the plight of the displaced persons who have been left in the wake of this calamity. Rivolgo un pensiero speciale alla popolazione dell'Afghanistan. I address a special thought to the people of Afghanistan who are suffering in the aftermath of the devastating earthquake that has struck, causing thousands of victims, including many women and children and displaced persons, the Pope said in his appeal. An earthquake which struck on the 8th of October had a magnitude of 7.6 on the Richter scale, making it a significant and destructive seismic event. It occurred in the northern region of the country near the Hindu Kush mountain range, causing widespread devastation. The quake's epicenter was located in a remote and mountainous area, which has further complicated relief efforts. Many villages in the vicinity were either severely damaged or completely obliterated. This disaster has left thousands of people dead, injured or missing, and it has forced countless others to flee their homes in search of safety. Urgent humanitarian aid is needed for food, clean water, medical supplies and shelter. On Wednesday, another 6.3 magnitude earthquake shook western Afghanistan in Herat province. Pope Francis has called upon everyone to unite and contribute to the relief and recovery efforts in Afghanistan. I invite all people of goodwill to help this people already so sorely tried, contributing in a spirit of fraternity to alleviate the suffering of the people and to support the necessary reconstruction. I am Francesca Merlo. The United Auto Workers strike is adding more members to the picket lines. The union tweeted yesterday that 8,700 members at Ford's Kentucky truck plant are joining the strike. Large F-Series pickups are made at that plant, which are one of Ford's more profitable vehicles. Union workers have been picketing against Ford, GM, and Stellantis for more than a month now. Meanwhile, talks between Hollywood Studios and the Actors Union have been suspended after negotiations broke down yesterday. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which represents the studios, says the two sides are just still too far apart. That strike has been going on 
for three months now. In Washington, House Republicans are nominating Majority Leader Steve Scalise to be the next Speaker of the House. Mark Mayfield reports. The Louisiana lawmaker secured the nomination 113 to 99 in a closed-door Republican conference meeting yesterday, defeating Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Scalise will now take his candidacy to the House floor, where he'll need to win the support of the majority of the chamber to take control of the gavel. This comes after Kevin McCarthy was ousted from the Speaker's chair last week. I'm Mark Mayfield. New safety requirements are being issued for infant rockers. 11 infant deaths have been associated with the rocking reclining seats in the past decade. Yesterday, the Consumer Product Safety Commission voted to move forward with new proposed regulations that aim to reduce the risk of injuries. The recommendations would require rockers to be flatter and firmer to prevent children from suffocating or tipping over. And the Arizona Diamondbacks completed a three-game sweep of the Los Angeles Dodgers with a 4-2 to victory in Game 3 of the NL Division Series yesterday. Arizona now advances to its first National League Championship Series appearance since 2007. Their opponent is yet to be determined. The Philadelphia Phillies trounced the Atlanta Braves 10-2 to yesterday. The Braves will visit the Phillies for Game 4 of their ML- NLDS Today, Meanwhile, in Minnesota, the reigning champion Houston Astros punched their ticket to the ALCS for the seventh straight year with a 3-2 win over the Twins. They will now take on the Texas Rangers in the ALCS. I thought you said that the Houston Astros punched a chicken. I was like, well, add that to the list of things that people are upset with about the Houston Astros over. I got to get my tongue in order. I meant to say ticket. You punch a ticket. I would hope so. Would that ticket ever do, do to they you? Still That's what punch, I want to know. You know what? Actually, this phrase, punch a ticket, is probably not going to be one that is used much is it, 10 Are you years about to say this now? is one that the young people don't understand? The young people don't understand that. You know, we had something like this uh, happen the other day. So we were recording an episode of On the Journey, and... Uh, Ken Hensley was saying something about Sola Scriptura because Ken was a Baptist pastor and, you know, reflecting on, you know, how scriptures would have developed before there was anything like a printing press. He's like, it's not like Paul told Timothy to go down to Kinko's and go run off, you know, a few hundred copies of this letter and then send it to whatever. I'm like, Ken, I don't know that Kinko's is around anymore. They are. They are? They're few and far between. They're like merged with FedEx. Right. I knew that, but... If you go to a FedEx location, it's also a Kinko's a lot of times. I never, yeah. I can't remember the last time I saw like a Kinko's. I have special. a, this is, I like, if I used I to need print to out print. band flyers all the time at Kinko's. Like, hey. <laughs> can you well, cut that's this still where you do it when you don't want to use up too much of your own printer ink. I suppose so. You can go to Kinko's. That's funny. Yeah, but probably lots of kids don't know what Kinko's is. Done it. Anyway. Today, Thursday, October the 12th, speaking of kids, man, feast of blessed Carlo Acutis, who was just a kid when he died, but now the first millennial to be raised to the altars. Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray for us. It's nine past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Leonard DeLorenzo with the McGrath Institute for Church Life at Notre Dame. He's host of the Church Life Today podcast and is author of many books, including one we're discussing today, A God Who Questions. Dr. De Lorenzo, welcome back. Good morning, Annie. 
So in this book, you examine uh, a number of questions that Jesus asks throughout the Gospels. And obviously, in context, he's asking these of specific people who are present there with him in the moment. But do they have any bearing on on those of us who are reading these stories a couple of thousand years later? Well, I think, of course, they do. I think, you know, the encounter that we have with Christ in the Gospel is meant to address to be an encounter directly with us. So though we are reading oftentimes about his encounter with others, we're given these episodes and these these events so that we can place ourselves in them, sometimes as the addressee of his question, sometimes as the ones who are listening in, who have to see what is going on and see the sort of revolution of perspective that is taking place. And in fact, I think what we ought to do in the gospel is allow ourselves to be moved around by what's taking place. These questions ought to enter into our own hearts and minds, but they also should sometimes disturb and sometimes stretch our own assumptions and commonplace thinking. What got you tuned in to the questions of Jesus in the first place, and why do you think they should pique our interest? I think the first question that really caught me was the one that comes at the beginning of the Gospel of John. In fact, these are the very first words that Jesus speaks in John's Gospel. Mm. He turns behind him. There are two disciples of John the Baptist following him, and he says, what are you looking for? Mm. That's fairly remarkable if we think about it, because, of course, the Gospel of John is the one that begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word we hear about until it takes flesh and dwells among us, and then that Word is named Jesus. And so when he speaks words, what we're hearing is the Word of God echoing in and through our humanity. And the very first thing that he says in that Gospel is what are you looking for? Now that is addressed, as you were saying before, you know, to these two disciples who are following after him. But it's also addressed to each of us. When we approach him, when we come to him, let's say when we enter into the gospel, the question of what are we looking for is presented to us. It's a question that I believe our God asks, we could say earnestly, really mm-hmm. cares about what we're looking for. But it's also a way of us examining our own motives. What are we really looking for? What are we willing to find? What are we willing to be confronted by, to be comforted by, to be challenged by? Mm -hmm. And so that question really started me. And then what I did is over uh, a Lent and then uh, a period of Advent, and I think maybe even another one, I took one of these questions each day or every couple of days, and I tried to reflect on them and to see what was going on. And that was really the genesis of this little book. Oh, speaking of Genesis, Dr. De Lorenzo, <laughs> you uh, you reflect on the book of Genesis in your introduction. Um, the first question from God recorded in Scripture. I find it interesting, actually. I went back um, and started reading Genesis chapter 3 and, uh, well, the whole beginning of Genesis. And I believe that the very first question asked um, recorded anyway in scripture is actually from from the serpent mm-hmm. in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 when he asks the woman did God say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden a, a question that's meant to to bring about confusion and and division but then the first question from God comes a few verses later in in verse 9. I'm going to read here from from verse 8. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, 
where are you? Now, what does this bring about in in your mind about the point of questions that God asks in Scripture? I believe this question, we could say, is the beginning of salvation history. So in response to our sin, and as we heard there, sin has to do with hiding from God, turning away from God. In the very garden that was created for us, where everything is given as a gift, including those trees that are fruit-bearing, we, in our shame and guilt, having tried to seize the initiative from God, go and hide ourselves from him. But rather than leave us to languish in our isolation and our loneliness and our guilt, God comes in search of us. Where are you? Now, we could think we're playing hide and seek and God just doesn't know where we are and wants us to be found. But we could also think about this, and I think we should, in a deeper, much more existential sense— Who is lost here? Well, the man and the woman are lost to themselves. They have lost who they are. They have lost their perspective. They have lost their innocence and transparency. They are covered up and hiding. And rather than leave us there to feel the full effects of that, our Lord and our God comes in search of us to ask us to present ourselves to him, such as we are in our guilt and our shame, begging for a confession, in fact, that is slow uh, in coming, but... The initiative we can hear here is on God's part. He's the one that comes in search of us. And what I suggest at the very beginning of this book is that Jesus is the question. Now, we hear often that Jesus is the answer, but I'm saying Jesus is the question in person, incarnate. He is the searching of God. He is that question, where are you? Come directly to us to address each one of us. And hopefully we can be found here. What do you hope that people get, um, take away from from reading this book, Dr. De Lorenzo? Well, as you said earlier, you know, we often don't want to be made uncomfortable. But I think one of the things that ought to happen to us when we approach Scripture is that we should be made uncomfortable. Or let's put it this way, we shouldn't find just exactly what we're looking for. If we're really presenting ourselves to the Lord and allowing Him to encounter us, we should expect more than we anticipated finding. And I think the questions of Jesus are one of the ways to get us off of our balance a little bit, to allow us to have a more genuine and authentic encounter with the Lord, to examine our own motives, to examine our own assumptions, and to reach toward him as he is, not just as we imagine him to be. Well, as a person who asks questions for a living, I both <laughs> love and hate this idea at the same time. <laughs> I like asking the questions. I don't like being yeah. asked the questions. Right. But I am looking forward to diving into this book and uh, reflecting on these questions along with you, Dr. De Lorenzo. The book is called A God Who Questions, and you can find Dr. Leonard De Lorenzo linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Really appreciate your time this morning and uh, look forward to talking again next time. Thank you. Thank, thank you. All right, it's 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. 
Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Speaking with Deacon has Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Mark Griffin discussing strategies that will empower us to announce the gospel of the Lord daily through our words and deeds. You can hear Speaking with Deacon as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNRadio.net slash podcasts today. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. The White House is confirming at least 22 Americans were killed and 17 are missing following Hamas's attack over the weekend on Israel. Pope Francis, during his general audience yesterday, called on Hamas to release all hostages that they've taken. And in his catechesis during the general audience, the Holy Father continued his series on apostolic zeal focusing this time on the example of St. Josephine Bakita. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And, you know, as you and Dr. De Lorenzo were talking, uh, I was trying to remember the exact phraseology, but uh, something that I used to hear sometimes in my Sola Scriptura background, my Bible alone, evangelical mm-hmm. formation. Uh, and uh, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it could still kind of apply to us as Catholics, and that is that you know, you don't cross-examine the scriptures. The scriptures cross-examine you, yeah, uh, as it were. Uh, which isn't to say you shouldn't study and examine the scriptures, right? But the idea is that you can get so far into the idea of studying the scriptures that you forget to let the scriptures study you. It's a both and. It's a both and. You got to understand the context before yeah. you can really see how it actually applies to you, because otherwise you're just like playing Bible roulette. Yeah. Just because you can stitch it in a pillow doesn't mean it's true. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Ken Herbert Plumbing is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. With over 20 years' experience in residential and commercial plumbing service repairs, and rated A-plus from the BBB. Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. 513-383-2974. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law 
education, and community action from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles in beautiful Miamisburg. Unique rosaries including custom-made, one-of-a-kind rosaries and Catholic books and gifts for all occasions. Online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. That's stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. It is time for Bible Foods with Rita Heikenfeld from AboutEating.com. It's a great place to find lots of excellent recipes, very practical and doable recipes from Rita, but also to share some of your own recipes if you get inspired by anything we talk about in this segment. Rita, good morning. Well, good morning, my friend. All right, coriander, people are going to probably be a little surprised where this shows up in the Old Testament if they're not familiar with this passage already. Oh, yeah, and it's in Exodus in um, 16, and it's a pretty familiar passage, at least to me and to you. And the food became known as manna, meaning what is it? It was white like coriander seed and flat and tasted like honey bread. So what that tells me is coriander, um, it's an ancient, ancient spice, of course, and it's really the seed of the cilantro plant. Um, And they're different. You can't use them interchangeably. Coriander, as I said, is the seed, and that has sort of a lemony taste to my palate. And then uh, cilantro has a more of a citrusy taste. And cilantro, the leaves are, you either love it or you don't. I, there's, I don't think there's any in between. Um, but anyway, uh, when we're talking about coriander, it really has a lot of um, good benefits like iron and magnesium. And um, they say, my research showed that it may even help reduce acidity in the body. Now, I use coriander in marinades and with root vegetables. But here's the deal. If you buy whole coriander seeds, Matt, just save some because they'll be viable enough to plant even a year or so from now. And here's another thing I found out, and I think you and I have talked about this before. Coriander seed is so viable that the seeds found in Egyptian tombs were still able to sprout thousands of years later. So that means that if you plant some cilantro in your garden but you don't use the whole pack, it's okay to save that pack for next year. Yep. Sure is. Or, you know, plant it in your windowsill year-round, depending on what kind of window situation you've got. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're also talking today about another very familiar Middle Eastern spice. I just used some earlier this week on uh, a homemade rub for some ribs I did in the oven. Oh, that sounds good. Well, you're talking about cumin, and we call it cumin. Mentioned, oh gosh, uh, another familiar uh, passage in Matthew in 23, talking about the tithing herbs, um, which included mint and dill and cumin. And then uh, when I was, again, researching this, Matt, the, what I found was the oldest reference to cumin dates back at least 5,000 years. And it was used 
um, when as a mummification ingredient for the bodies of the pharaohs. And, you know, I don't think anybody knows that whole recipe, but I think it's fascinating that cumin was even included. We think of it as a culinary herb for sure. And like you said, you use it um, as a rub in ribs. It's used in curries and chili powders. And when we make our kibbeh and tabula, we always include cumin. Um, and the benefits, it's got some iron and antioxidants. So both of those spices are wonderful to use. Yeah, cumin is just, it's got such a distinctive smell as mm-hmm. well. So, I mean, you can always tell when someone's cooking with cumin for sure. And chili is certainly one of the places where I use it as well. Now, you've got um, some thoughts on uh, the, 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 the timeline of how long you keep this stuff. And you've also got a chicken thigh with cauliflower and carrots recipe. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, cumin, um, it reminds me when I open my uh, container of my mom's kitchen, does smell wonderfully aromatic. Um, it lasts a good year after uh, you open the container. Coriander, not so much, Matt. I think um, it just doesn't seem to, to stay as long. And if when you open the container and, and if a lemony fragrance doesn't waft out, it's not going to flavor your food. I keep my coriander in the freezer. Um, and the recipe that I'm sharing, I, I know it's one that you'll love. And it has a little bit of a different take. Um, it's called chicken and um, high-roasted slash chicken thighs with cauliflower and carrots. And um, they're bone-in chicken thighs um, with the skin on. And I'll take and make a couple slashes just through the top of the skin so the marinade can soak through. And um, I add some carrots and cauliflower. And, of course, I'll have the whole recipe on abouteating.com. But my marinade is so easy. Olive oil, lemon juice cumin, coriander, salt, and pepper. And what I do is I'll take a 9 by 13 pan mat, and the carrots, you want to slice them not more than a half inch thick because they, they take longer to cook. They stay fairly firm. So I put those in the, um, around the inside edges, and then I'll put the cauliflower all around, and then the chicken on top. And then you roast that at 475 for about 45 minutes or so. My gosh, so delicious, easy. Um, and the chicken gets so crisped up. And if you love crispy skin, you're going to love that recipe. Yeah, I'm looking at this and thinking how I might modify it for like an air fryer or a crock pot. Of course, crock pot, you would not get the crispy chicken uh, skin. But, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of ways. And that, that lemon and coriander is great. If you've never done – I mean, sometimes when I roast carrots just by themselves, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my secret ingredient is uh, – is is usually lemon or coriander um, really? to bring out like a little citrusiness to the to the carrots there. That sounds really good. And two, as I said, the carrots they seem to take longer to roast than many vegetables. That's why I cut them about half inch slices and put them on the outside edges because heat in the oven works its way in from the outside edges in um, in a pan. So that's a good tip. Everybody who's ever done a lasagna knows that, right? <laughs> Crunchy sure. edges. <laughs> and then you get it out, and you're like, yeah, the middle of this isn't done. My goodness. So, all right. Well, we've got that uh, recipe for your high-roasted slash chicken thighs with cauliflower and carrots linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. I'm sure that there are people who are already thinking about the variations they want to try on this. Rita, have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. Yep, I'll talk to you next week, Matt. See, good practical stuff. You know, I look at some recipes from some food sites. I'm like, yeah, I'd make this if it took me. If I had four hours to spare today to work on food, Rita's practical. She knows what you're living through.
She's there to help. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. The Biden administration is facing calls to freeze $6 billion in Iranian assets as Israel is at war with Hamas. The funds were recently freed up as part of a deal to secure the release of an American detained of Americans detained in Iran. Republicans this week have called on the administration to put a hold on those funds again following Hamas's attack on Israel, saying there's a risk that money could be used against Israel in the conflict. Several Senate Democrats, including Senators Sharon Brown, John Tester, Joe Manchin, and others, are now backing those calls for the administration to claw back the assets. The president, meanwhile, says the U.S. is doing everything it can to bring Americans taken hostage by Hamas in Israel back home. Mark Mayfield reports. That's what President Biden told a roundtable of Jewish leaders at the White House Wednesday while speaking on the war. He added that the U.S. is committed to ensuring Israel has what it needs to defend itself. The president called the Hamas attack on Israel over the weekend the deadliest day for Jews since the Holocaust. At least 22 Americans have been killed in the conflict and 17 are missing. It's not clear at this time how many Americans are being held hostage. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Catholic News Agency reports that Caritas Jerusalem has suspended its operations in Gaza. The Secretary General of Caritas, Alistair Dutton, announced that the organization has been forced to suspend its activities for security reasons, but, quote, has prepared an emergency plan to offer assistance as soon as the situation allows. Meanwhile, Pope Francis has called on Hamas to release all of the hostages they've taken. They're believed to be holding around 150 of them. During his general audience yesterday, the Pope said terrorism and extremism do not help reach a solution to the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians, but feel hatred, violence and revenge, causing suffering to both sides. The Holy Father also had prayers for the victims of the earthquakes taking place in the past week in Afghanistan. The Holy Father said, I invite all people of goodwill to help this people already so sorely tried, contributing in a spirit of fraternity to alleviate the suffering of the people and to support the necessary reconstruction. For his general audience catechesis, the Pope continued his series on saints who exemplify apostolic zeal, focusing this time on St. Josephine Bakita. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. St. Josephine Bakita, with her example, Pope Francis says, shows us the way to finally be free of our slavery and fears, to unmask our hypocrisies and selfishness, to reconcile with ourselves and find peace in our families and communities, and offers us a light of hope in these difficult times of mistrust and distrust of others. Recalling the saint's origins in martyred Sudan, he said, sadly, for months, Sudan has been torn apart by a terrible armed conflict about which little is said today. Let us pray for the Sudanese people that they may live in peace. In spite of unspeakable suffering, the Holy Father insisted, St. Paquita's fame crossed all borders and reached all those who were denied identity and dignity as he urged faithful to be inspired by the powerful witness of St. Paquita. Born in Darfur, Sudan, the Pope recalled Josephine was kidnapped as a child 
exiled and sold into slavery. Despite the violence and terrible sufferings she endured, he observed, she never despaired. The Holy Father recalled how the crucifix sustained her, noting that one day she was given a small crucifix, and she, who had never possessed anything, kept it as a treasure. In Christ's cross, the Holy Father suggested, she discovered the source of a merciful love that affirms our innate dignity as God's children, brings true freedom, and enables us to forgive and indeed love those who wrong us. The life of St. Josephine Makita, he remembered, reveals the power of God's grace to transform lives, to resolve conflicts, and to bring about justice, reconciliation, and peace so greatly needed in our time. Pope Francis concluded by encouraging faithful to join him in entrusting ourselves to her prayers and asking especially for the gift of peace for our brothers and sisters in war-torn Sudan. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. In Washington, House Republicans are nominating Majority Leader Steve Scalise to be the next speaker. The Louisiana lawmaker secured the nomination 113 to 99 in a closed-door Republican conference meeting, defeating Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Scalise will now take his candidacy to the House floor, where he will need to win the support of the majority of the chamber to take control of the gavel. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 minutes past the hour. The show notes is where you'll get the links and resources you heard about on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith and for the podcast to find and replay an interview. To check out the show notes every day, visit the new sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com. skpha.com. Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life. Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Hauk, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell. The Golden Evening for Life, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis, Thursday, October the 12th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Going to get warmer pretty quickly today. Right now, it's kind of chilly with temperatures in the upper 40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, mostly sunny and warmer today with a high of 78 degrees. Clear skies tonight and mild with an overnight low of 55. Mostly sunny with the possibility of some late evening showers and storms tomorrow and a high of 78. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, becoming mostly sunny today with a high of 77 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 52. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow and a high of 78 degrees. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Gary Machuda from Hands On Apologetics. We've been going through his book, The Gospel Truth, and looking at the reliability of the gospel narratives in the New Testament. Gary, good morning. Morning, Matt. 
So one of the things that you need to do if you want to verify a story is to establish witnesses. Not just witnesses, but credible witnesses. You probably want an expert. You probably want a man on the street, right? And uh, you also want the reporter to know a little bit about how to process the information they're getting from both of those. So a little bit of analysis in the process, too. Do we have some of this going on in the Gospels? Yeah, well, in the Gospels, I mean, well, like I say in the book, the Gospels set a really nice table in terms of uh, eyewitnesses, because you have those who are closest to Jesus, right? You have the three disciples, Peter, James, and John. Uh, Then you have the wider 12, and then you have a larger group of disciples. Then you have the pastors by on the street. You also have people who hear about Jesus and come to, you know, they're curious. And and then uh, you have my favorite ones is the hostile witnesses, those who actually uh, are trying to disprove or discredit Jesus. So they're going to be looking critically at everything Jesus does. So, you know, we have multiple layers of different kinds of witnesses, different relationships to Jesus. And on top of that, you also have different locations and different venues. And like I said, it, it's... Um, it, in order to to try to perpetrate a fraud or a hoax, I, I think this type of environment's almost impossible. Well, I just want to make sure that we call out the fact that you mentioned the name of another one of your books, Hostile Witnesses, right? How the enemies <laughs> of the church help show us what Christianity really is. I mean, this is kind of one of the things that happens over and over again, um, is that Jesus, we learn about what he's trying to teach us by the ways that he's challenged. And You know, I I think about this in terms of, you know, some of the apologetics debates that have been put out through the years. And it's interesting to look back and see who's willing to publish those debates. Usually the people who publish those debates are the people who feel like they did well in those debates, right? (laughs) If you don't feel like you did well in a debate, right, if you felt like you came off looking real bad, then why would you write about it? Right. Yeah, that's true. And But, you know, the odd thing about the Gospels is they're not afraid to, to put in things that could possibly be damaging or embarrassing, or something strange like that. Um, you know, for example, the Gospels speak about that there there was a, a rumor started that the, the disciples stole the body. Well, if you're trying to promote Christianity and promote the resurrection, why would you supply a possible alternative explanation? You know, it, it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense if it actually happened. And it's kind of like the elephant in the room. You have to acknowledge that yeah, there's this rumor around that the disciples stole the body. You know, what's interesting, too, is that you mentioned these layers of witnesses, right? You 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 mentioned the inner circle of Peter, James, and John, the larger circle of the apostles. You've got the disciples who are just like anybody who's following them around. Then you've got the people who've been healed, uh, right? Then you've got the curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you've got, as you mentioned, those who are opposing Jesus and then you've got people who just happen to be in the right place at the right time when this stuff was happening. Now, if you were trying to control the narrative, you might have each story involve one of those groups at a time, uh, right? right? So that you can sort of control yeah. it. But in fact, if these things are real, you can't control all those groups at the same time, which sort of leads more of a reliability to it that you've got all these people who have different levels of investment in what Jesus is doing and saying – who are all seeing the same thing and reacting in the ways that are sort of unique and appropriate to their relationship to the situation. Right. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, if you compare this to something like Joseph Smith with Mormonism, it's funny how uh, whenever Joseph can control the environment, 
things go well, but whenever he, he puts out a prediction or something that he can't control, it almost always fails. You know, and I think that's that's a good baseline to look at this, that, you know, a lot of this is uncontrolled environments. There are rare occasions, like, for example, the Transfiguration, where only three, you know, Peter, James, and John were present. But by and large, you know, it's different layers of witnesses like you laid out in different combinations in different places, and all of that's uncontrolled. And yet, you know, with Jesus, it always rings true. Well, and you you make an interesting um, comment, and, and this is on page 71 of your book after you've gone through a whole bunch of different charts that show examples of how this plays out. <laughs> you say something that uh, that I haven't really thought of in this way in relation to the Gospels, right? I've thought about it this way in relation to modern news, but it says here, if four persons conspired to perpetrate a hoax by writing historical fiction about a miracle worker, it would have been in their best interest to make the story as unverifiable as possible. Now, I know this in the present day. If I'm reading through a news story and someone said, you know, uh, one person who decided not to tell me, who wished to remain nameless, told me this. I'm like, well, you you could have just made that up yourself and, like, invented a person, right? <laughs> How can I verify right. something with someone yeah. who doesn't exist and you might have possibly met, made up? The You would think that if the apostles were making this up as a hoax, they would have made it to where nobody could even check on this stuff. But they don't. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, the, the, obviously, you, you want to make it difficult to verify because hopefully people won't make the effort to verify and you could get away with the lie. But, you know... Uh, they specify the, the places, the people. Sometimes they name names. It, it's almost as if the Gospels dare you, you know, to verify this information. And a lot of this happens in small towns. And, you know, if you grew up in a small town, you know, the memory in small towns lasts a long time, especially when something spectacular happens. And so, I mean, it would be preeminently verifiable. You could just ask anybody living in the vicinity, and they would have heard if you know, someone's raised from the dead or was healed or had demons and they were cast out. Uh, it'd be really easy to verify something like that. Well, and speaking of small towns, I mean, this is one of the most compelling uh, markers that shows you that the Gospels were probably true, because who on earth, if they were trying to promote the cause of a miracle worker superhero claiming to be God would say, oh, also he went back to his hometown and they made fun of him and so he couldn't do anything interesting there. <laughs> like, who would include yeah, that true. if you're just trying to uh, puff up somebody's cause? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, and you have to ask yourself, well, why did they include it? And the answer is, well, most likely they included it because it happened and, and it's the elephant in the room. You have to acknowledge that, you know, that there were people in Jesus' hometown that didn't give him this, the credit that he deserved. Yeah, and uh, even you know issues like when he is before Pilate and uh, his refusal to say you know these things, right? That he has been saying in public yeah. this whole time, like this would be your chance to really stick it to the man, and you know, just the odd ways that he restrains himself, and the, the the teachable moments that are just layered in mystery throughout. Gary uh, Machuda, if our listeners want to connect with you uh, through Hands On Apologetics, maybe get a copy of your book, The Gospel Truth, and dig into some more of this to help really drive home this idea that we can trust the Gospels, uh, how do they connect with you? 
Yeah, you can go to the handsonapologetics.com or you could get the book at stpulsecenter.com. Linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Gary Machuda, great to talk to you as always, and we'll catch you next time around. Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. All right. It's a quarter till. We're back with Courtney Brown from Ruah Woods next. It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I don't like looking back. I prefer to look forward and keep moving forward. There's plenty to cover. I do a lot of research and try to dig out the bits and pieces of a life or of an agenda that people don't want to talk about. The World Over with Raymond Arroyo. Tonight, 8 Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. Thirteen till. Here's Anna with headlines. The Biden administration is facing calls to freeze six billion dollars in Iranian assets as Israel is at war with Hamas. Pope Francis has called on Hamas to release all of the hostages that they've taken. And in his general audience catechesis yesterday, the Holy Father continued his series on apostolic zeal, focusing this time on the example of St. Josephine Paquita. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 till. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Courtney Brown, Executive Director of the Rural Woods Institute. You can check out their revealed curriculum, K-12 Theology of the Body curriculum, over at their website, ruawoodsinstitute.org. Courtney, good morning. Good morning, Anna. How are you? I am doing great, thank you. And we are going to be getting some mini lessons with you uh, going through this curriculum for young students. And we're going to be starting with kindergarten today. So what theme or themes are highlighted from Theology of the Body in the kindergarten curriculum specifically? So in our kindergarten program, the themes that we highlight specifically are creation is a gift. We have two, two lessons on that, two lessons on original solitude, 
And then we go into an aspect of dignity of work and then that my body is a gift as well. And so we kind of focus on how the, one of the major tenets of theology of the body is that we are our bodies, which is, I know in today's culture, somewhat of a profound statement, but in, in essence, what we're trying to do with the kindergartners is recognize the fact that they're a boy or a girl matters and it reveals something of God and that their body is good. So those first two sessions on creation is gift. We kind of walk them through the seven days of creation. And then the, we also talk through kind of like where they are in terms of the reference to how God loves them and their unique dignity and worth from <clears throat> just recognizing those seven days. And then we kind of go into what JP2 in his work when he reflects on the beginning reflects on the three original experiences, original solitude, original unity, and original nakedness. Well, with the kindergartners, we focus heavily on this understanding of original solitude, which is why we bring in the literature to help them understand this concept, which is big. But when we talk about that first experience of Adam, when it says he was walking alone in the garden, mm. um, we, we help the students kind of navigate that through the books, Blueberries with Sal. Yeah. So, yeah, so this Blueberries for Sal, one of uh, two works of, of children's literature that you use for the kindergarten curriculum. It's a classic, but there might be uh, a few people that uh, are not familiar. So can you tell us the story of Blueberries for Sal? Sure. So Blueberries for Sal sets out with this uh, little girl, Sal, who's walking with her mother in a field picking blueberries. And as she's walking along and she's being curious and wonder. Like just like little kids would do. Mm -hmm. And then she essentially walks away, and Mom's going further down the path, and they get lost. And then there's another story, uh, well, another situation with a little bear and mother bear. And the same exact thing with the little bear is walking in the blueberry patch with Mom, and Mom's telling her that before hibernation, you need to eat as many blueberries as possible. Well, they essentially get lost, and then they start to discover trying to find their moms again, and they see birds and recognize both Sal and the little bear, recognize that, oh, that's not my mother. And then mm -hmm. through that, they eventually get mixed up, and then Sal ends up by mother bear, and mother bear turns around and says, you're not my little bear, right? And then same thing happens with the little bear with uh, Sal's mom. And then eventually they find mom, and it's joyous, and then the story. So the reason we choose that is because in the beginning, as JP2 talks about these two experiences. Uh, well, it talks about original solitude in two aspects. One is, as Adam is walking in the garden, he's recognizing that he is distinct and different mm -hmm. from the other animals. And then also, as he's walking in the garden, he also understands his relationship with God. So here we are trying to teach this to the students. What we use this story for is to show as Sal is walking and recognizes the birds and realizes that I'm not a bird. That's not my mom and all that stuff. So same with the little bear. So there's this experience of understanding who we are that's revealed in the body. So that's what that story is about, and that's how we use it with the aspect of original solitude. Wow, and you think, too, I mean, what is the one thing that God says is not good, that man is alone? And so you have a, a child. I mean, I know it's not a scary story, but a child who is lost looking looking for for mom and and that idea of of being lost being alone is ultimately not what what is meant for us that's correct yeah that's really a good point too and 
and it's solitude isn't like that alone feeling where I'm lonely as much as it is a recognition that I'm made for the other yeah. and that we're made for relationship. And, you know, there's also another activity we do with the students called, um, it's like what's in the name activity in one of the kindergarten books. And what's fun about that particular situation is that um, they actually reflect on the power of their name. You know, and as Adam was walking through the garden and naming the animals, he speaks of relationship and the creative power with God. And one of the things that I found to be so profound about that with the kids is a lot of them don't even really ever think about, wow, my name and what's mm. the power in saying that in recognizing someone and that they are a reflection of the love between their father and their mother and because of that love they have a name just like the trinity right like the love of the father and the son is so strong between those two it is the person of the trinity so mm. it's the kind of that's where we get that um in a way that icon the family becomes a certain type of icon of who the father is and god the father and the son and the holy spirit so that activity is really cool for the kids to kind of just reflect on the power of their the name and why it matters yeah, and let's explore some of these other themes that, that can come out in Blueberries for Sal uh, in light of, of the kindergarten curriculum here from Rua Woods. They're going out to pick blueberries, which are a gift from God, the gift of creation. Yes, that's actually, I'm, I'm, that's actually one of the things for our curriculum is to inspire that wonder, that hands-on feel. And the actual idea of, like, going out into a blueberry field, I know that's not in the most common experience of kids today. But when you do that and you bring them to nature, they do. They get this sense of awe and wonder and that, that God is present in everything and that they can actually experience God in some of the most natural things. And it's interesting. I know this is kind of a digression, um, but I was listening to uh, someone talk about how to overcome anxiety and stress and just some of these things that our teens and kids are focusing on and in the world are struggling with rather than focusing on, but struggling with that stress and anxiety that nature has a way, bringing them out into the nature, getting them off of their phones and the technology as a way of sending healing and, and helping absolutely. them. So. Oh, absolutely. Uh, a gift from the Lord in that regard too. just get out into nature and do some work. That's uh, just quickly, Courtney, The another theme that, that comes out here, the dignity of work. That's exactly right. Uh, the dignity of work. That's something that I think that kids don't necessarily ever think about that, that, you know, most time what they probably hear is people complain about work and people not really liking what <laughs> they're doing. Yeah. So this is showing them that, you know, well, God has designed us for that. And he also designed us for something important too, and it's called rest. Yes, absolutely. Read more about it in the revealed curriculum that you can find through ruawoodsinstitute.org, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. We've been talking to Courtney Brown. Courtney, thank you so much. Look forward to next time. Yes, same here. Thanks, Anna. You bet. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll look forward to talking to EWTN again tomorrow morning. Until then, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. 
Family, thank you for putting a Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet on your vehicle. Because our recent listener survey told us just how many of you started listening after seeing one of our bumper magnets. In fact, some have declared that our bumper magnets are life changers. So to change lives, just take a drive. Showing off your Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet. Now they're free, so to get one or a stack for your parish, go to sacredheartradio.com and click Signs and Magnets. That's sacredheartradio.com. Click Signs and Magnets. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Stegman Landscape. Serving the Tri-State since 1979, Stegman Landscape can create a picture-perfect landscape all year long. From design, installation, and maintenance to retaining walls, patios, and outdoor fireplaces to enjoy any season, Stegman Landscape can do it all. Stegman Landscape, making the world more beautiful one yard at a time. 859-781-1562 and online at stegmanlandscape.com. St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, understands the importance of a helping hand when life becomes difficult. Through the grace of God and the amazing generosity of volunteers and donors, St. Vincent de Paul, Northern Kentucky, has been able to provide over $200,000 in rent and utility assistance to nearly 2,000 neighbors in need in the last 12 weeks alone. The prayer is to continue to faithfully serve those in need well into the future. To learn how you can help, visit svdpnky.org and follow along on social media. Why wait in endless lines at the pharmacy when Brozard Pharmacy, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, can fill your prescriptions in a timely manner with high quality. Brozard Pharmacy, fast, friendly service without the wait. 513-941-0428. Our bodies are a gift of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Just as the human body ought to be treated with respect and dignity in life, so it is meant to be treated after death. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help make advance arrangements with their Catholic funeral plan. Pre-planning is especially important to those preparing to enroll in Medicare. It also ensures that you make the arrangements you want, leaving your family without the hardship of planning while grieving. Find out more at 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. Support for Sacred Art Radio is from Rua Wood Psychological Services, integrating psychological science and the truths of our Catholic faith, with offices in Dayton and Cincinnati. More information at 513-407-8878 or rwpsych.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East, with evening and weekend hours designed to make servicing your vehicle easy. Honda East, just a 5275 on Beachmont Avenue. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Thursday, the 12th of October, the Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, you accompanied your doubting disciples on the road to Emmaus. Sustain your church in our daily journey of faith. You do not disappoint those who hope in your mercy. Remember that we are slow to believe and strengthen our faith. You guide those who walk in darkness. Teach your paths to all who seek the road to life. O God, you are our guide and guard among life's paths. Lead us in the ways of justice and love, righteousness and peace, 
We ask this through Christ our Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being with us on this Thursday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. And up this hour, uh, we're going to uh, catch up with all kinds of great people. Danielle Bean's going to be along. She'll have a rosary reflection on the Feast of the Presentation. Oh, not the Feast of the Presentation. The Mystery of the Presentation of Jesus in the Temple. Amy Wellborn will be along as well from her blog, Charlotte Was Both. We'll look at uh, a selection from Teresa of Avila in the Office of Readings with Chris McGregor. And then more on today's Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis. Dig into some of the details and cool tidbits from his life. So stay with us if you can. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Israel this morning to show U.S. support following the attacks by the Palestinian militant group Hamas. Blinken is holding talks with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and other leaders and will try to secure the freedom of about 150 hostages kidnapped by Hamas, some of whom were Americans. During a joint press conference with Netanyahu, Blinken updated the number of Americans killed since the start of the fighting. It's now at at least 25. After his stop in Israel, Blinken will travel to Jordan to meet with King Abdullah II and Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. The Secretary of State will reportedly urge Abbas to condemn the attacks to distinguish himself from Hamas. The Catholic News Agency is reporting Caritas Jerusalem has suspended its operations in Gaza. The Secretary General of Caritas, Alistair Dutton, announced the organization was being forced to suspend its activities for security reasons, but has, quote, prepared an emergency plan to offer assistance as soon as the situation allows. Pope Francis yesterday called on Hamas to release all of the hostages they've taken. During his general audience, the Holy Father said terrorism and extremism do not help to reach a solution to the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians, but feel hatred, violence, and revenge, causing suffering to both sides. Pope Francis also appealed during his general audience for solidarity with the people of Afghanistan who are suffering after several earthquakes this past week. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. In his appeal, Pope Francis expressed concern for the Afghan people, highlighting the immense human toll that these natural disasters have caused, with thousands of lives lost, including a significant number of women and children. The Pope also acknowledged the plight of the displaced persons who have been left in the wake of this calamity. Rivolgo un pensiero speciale alla popolazione dell'Afghanistan. I address a special thought to the people of Afghanistan who are suffering in the aftermath of the devastating earthquake that has struck, causing thousands of victims, including many women and children and displaced persons, the Pope said in his appeal. An earthquake which struck on the 8th of October had a magnitude of 7.6 on the Richter scale, making it a significant and destructive seismic event. It occurred in the northern region of the country near the Hindu Kush mountain range, causing widespread devastation. The quake's epicenter was located in a remote and mountainous area, which has further complicated relief efforts. Many villages in the vicinity were either severely damaged or completely obliterated. 
This disaster has left thousands of people dead, injured or missing, and it has forced countless others to flee their homes in search of safety. Urgent humanitarian aid is needed for food, clean water, medical supplies and shelter. On Wednesday, another 6.3 magnitude earthquake shook western Afghanistan in Herat province. Pope Francis has called upon everyone to unite and contribute to the relief and recovery efforts in Afghanistan. I invite all people of goodwill to help this people already so sorely tried contributing in a spirit of fraternity to alleviate the suffering of the people and to support the necessary reconstruction. I am Francesca Merlo. The United Auto Workers strike is adding more members to the picket lines. The union tweeted yesterday that 8,700 members at Ford's Kentucky truck plant are joining the strike. Large F-Series pickups are made at this plant, which are one of Ford's more profitable vehicles. Union workers have been picketing against Ford, GM, and Stellantis for more than a month now. Meanwhile, talks between Hollywood Studios and the Actors Union have been suspended after negotiations broke down yesterday. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which represents the studios, says the two sides are just still too far apart. The strike has been going on for three months now. In Washington, House Republicans are nominating Majority Leader Steve Scalise to be the next speaker. Mark Mayfield reports. The Louisiana lawmaker secured the nomination 113 to 99 in a closed-door Republican conference meeting yesterday, defeating Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. Scalise will now take his candidacy to the House floor, where he'll need to win the support of the majority of the chamber to take control of the gavel. This comes after Kevin McCarthy was ousted from the speaker's chair last week. I'm Mark Mayfield. And new safety requirements are being issued for infant rockers. 11 infant deaths have been associated with the rocking reclining seats in the past decade. Yesterday, the Consumer Product Safety Commission voted to move forward with new proposed regulations that aim to reduce the risk of injuries. The recommendations would require rockers to be flatter and firmer to prevent children from suffocating or tipping over. 8.07 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lockman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. Let's talk some uh, Major League Baseball postseason action. The uh, postseason continued with the Arizona Diamondbacks completing a three-game sweep of the Los Angeles Dodgers with a 4-2 win in Game 3 of the NLDS. Arizona advancing to the NLCS for the first time since 2007 in Minnesota. The reigning champion Houston Astros punched their ticket, as they say, to the ALCS in the uh, seventh straight year. As uh, they Do you know what that means, t- Paul? Yeah. Punching I, I, a ticket? I've had a ticket punched before. Okay. Right, I do good. miss... I, I'm a... I'm 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 one of those people that collected ticket stubs. Nice. So uh, I I know I know the meaning, but uh, they would uh, they used to tear my ticket stub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, I, maybe uh, a few mm-hmm. concerts I've been to. They actually punched it. Okay. Uh, other than that, um, the Phillies trounce the Braves ten to two. That surprises me. Phillies take a two one series lead. Braves will visit again Philadelphia for Game Four, trying to get back in the series. It uh, should be a better game than the uh, Chiefs-Broncos Thursday night football. Uh, I'm going to go with the Chiefs on that one. Just just an assumption. Broncos lost 15 straight games to the Chiefs dating back to uh, 2015. 
And, of course, I've been talking about it all week, Anna Mitchell. The Columbus Blue Jackets hit the ice finally, finally back. Uh, hockey is back in Columbus. Blue Jackets uh, open their season at Nationwide Arena, taking on the Philadelphia Flyers. And John Tortorella, the uh, all-time coaching uh, wins leader for the Blue Jackets, he's the bench boss of the Flyers. So nice. welcome back, Torts. Nice. All right, that's it for uh, sports. I'm done with sports. Let's get to traffic. Traffic. A service of Rose Automotive, pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton, on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. Hopefully it's a calm traffic. I'm seeing a lot of red on the interstates right now, which of course means slow traffic on my map. Southbound 71 on and off, slow and heavy from uh, Field Turtle on down past the Norwood Lateral down toward like Dana, Martin Luther King area. Southbound 75 is slowing as you head through the Lachlan split. Eastbound 74 is uh, slow from North Bend into the 75 interchange and then going northbound from there. You'll be on the brakes until you get to Ronald Reagan. Um, an unusual slow spot on the inner the inner loop of 275 over on the west side of town. This is on eastbound 275. You're going to be slow from like Hamilton Avenue down toward Ronald Reagan. I'm not sure if there's an accident in the area. I don't see anything reported at the moment, but uh, an unusual slowdown. Northbound 7175, you're on the brakes from Turfway up toward the cut in the hill. Northbound 471 from Alexandria Pike up to the river and inner loop of 275 going westbound at the bottom of the loop through the construction, slowing from Turkey Foot over toward Mineola Pike. Now for weather, mostly sunny skies today in Cincinnati with a high of 78 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 55. Mostly sunny with some late evening showers and storms. So perhaps some muddy football games tomorrow night. Bring your poncho. High of 78 degrees tomorrow. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, becoming mostly sunny today with a high of 77 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 52. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow and a high of 78 degrees. Today is Thursday, October the 12th. It is the Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis. And we will talk more about him at the end of this hour. Of course, Matt and his wife, Colleen, put together, Matt calls it a booklet about the life of Blessed Carlo Acutis. Pray for us. Looking forward to getting some more insights from Matt on him, the first millennial to be beatified. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Danielle Bean. You can connect with her, invite her to speak at daniellebean.com. Check out her girlfriend's podcast through goodcatholic.com and join the community at girlfriendscommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine. And it's becoming a yearly tradition, I think, for us uh, to spend our time together in the month of October, which is dedicated to the Holy Rosary, uh, reflecting on some of the mysteries of the rosary through the lens of, of womanhood, of motherhood specifically. And today we are going to be talking about the joyful mystery, the presentation of the Lord in the temple. And there's so much that we can unpack in this story in Luke chapter two. What, what What's standing out to you, Danielle? Yeah, the, the number one thing that always stands out to me when, when I read this, when, when I pray the rosary and meditate on this particular mystery, is Mary's position there, which is one I think we can all relate to as women, as mothers, in that 
this is a joyful mystery, right? This is a joyful moment in the life of Christ where he's being presented in the temple. But there's some sorrow in there. There, It's tinged with sorrow because Mary hears Simeon, and we read these words of Simeon, that a sword will pierce your heart. And, you know, I, I just picture myself, you know, imagine yourself maybe on your baby's baptism day, and you're, you're going to the church, and you're just joyful about this new little gift of life that you've been given. There's so much to rejoice about there. And imagine someone giving you this dark, harsh prophecy in a moment like that. And I just think about the way that Our Lady handles that, the way that she accepts that, which is the way that she accepts all that the Lord gives to her, everything that God asks of her, is with this peace and serenity, just embracing God's will. When she first said yes, when the angel Gabriel came to visit her at the Annunciation, she knew. She didn't know all the details, but she knew that this wouldn't be a choice she was making that would prevent suffering. She knew that it was going to be something sacrificial she was taking on. And here, again, is a reminder of that in Simeon's prophecy. And, you know, just a a little bit of a a reality check there, right? Like just a little bit of a reminder that here's what you said yes to. But she's firm in her commitment to the Lord. She is firm in her yes. She doesn't waver. She doesn't, you know, I can imagine if something similar happened to one of us that we might get dramatic and we might... We might despair or we might start crying or we might, you know, cause a scene and, or we might demand to know more about what the person is saying. Our Lady doesn't do any of that. She is peaceful. She is calm in, in that moment there where she's being challenged in this way. And she's just embracing, fully embracing what God's will is for her life, even if she doesn't know exactly what that means just yet. It is so fascinating that it is one of the joyful mysteries of the rosary, but also one of the seven sorrows of Mary. I'm so glad that you point that out because it is such a lesson to all of us that we need to trust in the Lord that that he is going to bring out the greater good in in any situation. Right. Absolutely. And I think that this is this is the, the great challenge that we have as human beings. And Mary is such a beautiful example for us of doing this with serenity and complete surrender. Um, you know, just just this morning I was I was reading um uh, Proverbs 3, where it says, lean not on your own understanding. Mm. And that really stood out to me. And, and it's a prayer that we can bring to Mary and ask her to teach us how to do that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Mary is the perfect example of that in the, the presentation in the temple. Here, where she, it is very much and truthfully a joyful moment. It is also a sorrowful moment, but she embraces it all. She isn't going to be weighed with what's going on around her, right? She is firm because she is rooted in her relationship with God the Father. And you know who else uh, stands out in in this story are Simeon and Anna, these two people mm. that just spent their lives in in service of the Lord and were able to recognize that God himself had just come back to the temple. Right, right. I think I'm glad you mentioned Anna because so often we focus on Simeon and we forget that there's somebody else there, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and and I, I, in my book, um, You Are Enough, where I looked at women of the Old Testament, um, I, I did look at, at Anna and I did like think about why don't we hear more about this, right? Why don't we hear more about Anna? And, you know, I suppose the, the prophecy of Simeon is a little bit more dramatic, so we, we might focus there. But 
truthfully, here is a faithful woman of the Lord who is being rewarded for her faithfulness. Here she is using her feminine gift of seeing the other and seeing Christ for who he was. One of the first people to do that, right? To publicly proclaim who he was. She saw that and she had the gift and the opportunity to be able to do that. And Simeon as well, in his faithfulness throughout his lifetime, he trusted. He did not lean on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord with all his heart. He trusted. And here he is being rewarded for that, where the Savior is here in his arms. What a what a beautiful and dramatic moment that is to reflect on. Yeah, and Danielle, the lesson for me out of this, and, and I've talked about it any number of times, I think even with you um, in, in some of the Girlfriends podcasts, is that... We need to grow in awareness of where God is, noticing God in these places so that when we are in the midst of a, a sorrow, if you will, that we can, we can look around and spot God in those moments. Right. And think about what a gift it is to us to not be, you know, not to just have to, you know, whatever way the wind is blowing is the way that you're going, right? Think right. about that. Think about how, right. how disruptive that is, right? Like, but if we are rooted in our relationship with God, all of our circumstances around us can change. They can be terrible. They can be wonderful. And we can be unmoved in the midst of it all. That ultimately is the goal because God is unchanging. And if we're focused there, if we're focused on our relationship with him, if we are surrendering to him and trusting in him with all of our hearts, the way that scripture tells us to, then we are not going to be moved by those things. We still might suffer and we still will rejoice and we can still experience all, you know, the full range of human emotions, but we don't have to let it move us at our core. That's where we need to be focused on our relationship with God. Yep, absolutely. We've been talking to Danielle Bean. You can find her girlfriend's podcast and her website linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Danielle, really appreciate your thoughts this morning. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. You too. Thank you very much. All right. It is coming up on 19 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We got traffic and weather coming up next. Stay with us. I'm Father Rob Jack. Tune in to the best of Driving Home the Faith. We'll be back live Monday on October the 16th when Dr. Biff Roca will discuss his Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. Alvin Louie will speak from Courage as a Habit. We'll also talk about St. Teresa of Avila, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's Monday, October the 16th at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Comboni, as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Bridgetown Finer Meats, the place to go for Wagyu beef. This beef is bred from authentic Wagyu genetics from legendary Japanese bloodlines. Holistically raised on local family farms, Wagyu is all natural with no added hormones, highly marbled, and absolutely delicious. Since 1979, Bridgetown Finer Meats has continually offered prime beef, top quality pork, Amish poultry, fresh seafood, and a vast array of homemade foods. Bridgetown Finer Meats, 574-3100 and online at BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. 
If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Honda East, the place to find a brand new Honda or pre-owned vehicle with no haggle, no hassle pricing. Honda East, just off I-275 on Beachmont Avenue. Help me, Honda East. Get the car that I want. Online at HondaEastCincy.com. 21 minutes past the hour now, and this traffic report is a service of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick and GMC in Eaton, Ohio, on the web at LarkinCobb.com. Got an accident now blocking the left lane of northbound 471 at the Big Mac Bridge. Has you stacked up back toward 275 now. Staying in northern Kentucky at the bottom of the loop at 275. Slow still from Turkey Foot over toward Mineola Pike on westbound 275. Northbound 7175. Slowing from 275 up toward Kyle's Lane on the Ohio side of the river. Southbound 71 remains slow between Field Turtle and Dana. Northbound 71 looks a little heavy between the Norwood Lateral and Pfeiffer. Southbound 75 slow from, well, just really as you're approaching and heading through the Lachlan Split. Eastbound 74 from North Bend into the 75 interchange, northbound 75 slowing from there up toward Ronald Reagan. And Dayton traffic looks to be moving pretty well at the moment. All right, now for weather. Lovely day today. Mostly sunny skies today in Cincinnati with a high of 78 degrees. Clear skies tonight and an overnight low of 55. It'll be mostly sunny with some late evening showers and storms tomorrow and a high of 78 degrees. For the Miami Valley Dayton area, becoming mostly sunny today and a high of 77. Clear tonight with an overnight low of 52. Mix of clouds and sun tomorrow with a high of 78 degrees. Now please pray with me the daily prayer for Ohio in this 54-day novena we've been praying ahead of the November election and issue one. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Mother of the Family, pray for us. Saint Joseph, protector of the unborn, pray for us. Amy Wellborn joins us next. It's 23 past. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. 
Cincinnati Right to Life presents the Golden Evening for Life, Thursday, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Featuring former abortionist Dr. John Bruchowski, musician Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North, activist Mark Hauk, abortion survivor Rebecca Kiesling, and Sacred Heart Radio's Anna Mitchell. The Golden Evening for Life, October 19th at the Sharonville Convention Center. Reservations at CincinnatiRightToLife.org. That's CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Sunset Janitorial Supply, a Catholic family business supplying the tri-state cleaning industry with commercial cleaning supplies, personal hygiene, equipment, and even machine repair. Free delivery to your business. More information at SunsetJanitorialSupply.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive, serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. On Erie Highway in Hamilton, roseautomotivegroup.com. St. Francis de Sales said of the Eucharist, When the bee has gathered the dew of heaven and the earth's sweetest nectar from the flowers, it turns it into honey, then races to its hive. In the same way, the priest, having taken from the altar the Son of God, who is as the dew from heaven, gives him to you as delicious food. How does this vivid metaphor of St. Francis de Sales bring you closer to the Eucharistic Christ today? For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Precious Blood Father, Kevin Scalf. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Amy Wellborn. Her blog, Charlotte, was both is a great resource. She also writes lots of regular old books and contributes to a few different places. She's got a piece over at Catholic World Report that we're looking at today. Amy, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, there's all this talk of Eucharistic revival, and we've hit it from a bunch of different angles here on the Sunrise Morning Show, but you went back to a Eucharistic Congress in 1904 to look at the concerns then and the methodology that was attempted then, compared it to the present day. Uh, What were some of the concerns, what were some of the reasons behind why this Eucharistic Congress was held back in 1904? Well, it, the reasons might sound familiar. Uh, concerns about mass attendance, concerns about the um, uh, the level of understanding that the laity had of the mass, concerns that the laity were not um, sort of taking the power of Christ present in the Eucharist out into the world and changing the world. And, you know, Dominating all of this, I think, is concerns that about pastoral practice. Were priests, were parishes doing all they could to help people in these goals? So 1904, a very different time for a number of reasons. We hadn't had any world wars yet, right? Um, right. Catholics are largely ghettoized into immigrant communities based on what country they came from. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff swirling about industrial revolution things. There's no television, uh, let alone Reddit. So, mm-hmm. Not um, even radio, right? Mm-hmm. N- not, yeah, there's, there's barely, barely mm-hmm. anything except pr- for print. So right. uh, how, did they, how did they spread the word on this stuff and get the numbers that they got? Well, first 
of all, as I say in the piece, you know, Eucharistic Congresses, both international and national Congresses, have a lengthy history in the Catholic Church. They're only made possible by mass communication and mass transit. Uh, So they begin in the mid-19th century when all of that begins to spread around the world. But, um, you know, the 1904 uh, Eucharistic Congress in the United States was one of several that have been held in the United States. Readers might be, I mean, listeners, sorry, might be familiar with the 1926 Chicago Conference, which had a big mass at Soldier Field and uh, is one of the most famous Eucharistic Congresses ever held in the United States. So, you know, the, the thing was that the concern was, again, to reach as many people as possible, but I think the emphasis in the actual proceedings of the Congresses was directed at priests, because they were the ones responsible for, as the many, some of the resolutions that come out of this 1904 Eucharistic Congress say, you know, for keeping churches open, for making the celebration of the sacrament beautiful and attractive. I mean, it's fascinating to me because the, the problems and the solutions are so similar to what we are talking about today. Um, you know, for, so, for example, my favorite part of or this, one of my favorite things that I read from these proceedings was from a priest in Massachusetts who is addressing his brother priests. He's not, you know, scolding people, I mean, the laity, he, or condemning the laity. He's talking to his fellow priests, and he says, what a pity if when the good, self-sacrificing, faithful people come to the church once a week to lay their worldly cares and troubles before the altar of God, looking for solace and peace for one brief hour after the long days of toil and weariness, of temptation and maybe sin and discouragement, what a pity if, when they come for bread, the bread of life, we, priests, give them a stone. And his specific context <laughs> is fundraising. <laughs> I mean, that's what he goes on. He, that's what he's critiquing is priests and, you know, liturgical celebrations that seem to end and center on give us money. <laughs> but I love the pastoral compassion there, that sense that when people, as, you know, you pointed out, suffering people, immigrant people, people who are being exploited economically, and so on, come to this place of beauty and solace, looking for peace, the peace that we tell them God can give, and they come yearning for this, and we give them, you know, nonsense, we give them banality, we give them sort of an experience that expresses our, the professionals' overriding concerns instead of actually listening to them and accompanying them and with where they are. Um, that This is 120 years ago, still very pertinent to today. Well, you see this, uh, you know, this issue of, you know, clericalism and of uh, banality and of people not really focusing on enough reverence for the Eucharist and all these sort of things. It's obviously the product of the spirit of Vatican II, except, wait, this is 1904. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. And, uh, yeah, and so it's like a, it's the same problem with a different form. And it's the problem of, I think, basically, we we, all of us, whether we are you know, the ministers celebrating, the ministers designing the music, the people coming. We 
get trapped in habit. We get bored, right? It becomes a duty. It becomes our job. And this is reflect, very clearly reflected in these proceedings from 1904. The people, the laity have just see it as a duty. We are bored. We are, you know, sort of the ministers are institutionally focused rather than pastorally focused. Same thing, isn't it? It really is. And you know what? (laughs) It's it's interesting. um, And and I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'm one of those people who doesn't know exactly how to fix the church and <laughs> oh, really? about it. Yes. I, I'm not that I'm not one of those people because I can't even figure out how to fix myself, to be honest right. with me. <laughs> but it is interesting to me that like we can act and you know and, and get narrow focus and think, you know, we've got to change something. We gotta you know reorient things. We gotta, you know, throw it all out the window. But I've been reading some stuff lately. Uh, because I deal mm-hmm. with a lot of Protestants who come from church shopping mm-hmm. backgrounds, and then they find a home in the Catholic Church. And they they sometimes have this – they're just weary from going place to place trying to find this really good, enriching experience. And Saving yeah. Mrs. Loyal has some really interesting stuff to say about uh, spiritual desolation and spiritual consolation. And one of the things that he says is if you're having trouble, right, if you're not – if this isn't clicking for you – don't throw everything out of the window and start from scratch and try something brand new, right? Right. Uh, and just you do the things, you know, get back to the core of what you know you're supposed to be doing and figure out what happens from there. Uh, and, yeah. and, you know, it seems to me like the call in the present day ought to be exactly what the call is here in 1904, which is why don't we go do the things we're supposed to be doing and do them well? Right, exactly. And when you look at the course of reform over 2,000 years of church history, that's always the most powerful and effective kind of reform is one that really gets – that just reorients us uh, towards Christ, right, and towards our duties towards Christ and towards each other, Um, not spinning off and trying to invent something new. That leads in the other direction, but all – sound reform from, you know, the Franciscans to the Dominicans to, you know, papal reforms, they all are about reorienting us towards Christ. And so when you, when I look at these Eucharistic Congresses, that's the focus. The focus is on um, just clarifying that, not that the church and we as individual members of the church need to be more in step with the times or reorient ourselves towards modernity, but it's recognize what modernity does to us, recognize what our times, whatever they are, the effect that it has on us, and then bring that to Christ and kind of recognize our communion in Christ and recognize his presence in all of this. And so the, you know, the, the suggestions from this Eucharistic Congress are things like, make sure your churches are open, Father. Make sure that the churches are beautiful. Make sure that people see you as an embodiment, as a symbol of Christ. Not, you know, in a superficial way, but it says, but above all, the personal character and work of the priest, his kindness to the poor, the sick, the bereaved, his earnest, zealous, patient solicitation on the house-to-house visitation, and so on. Uh, That is what is conceived, all of that is conceived as what is going to bring people back 
to the Christ for whom they hunger, right? And that, that's, that's the goal. And it's not met by trying to invent something new, as you said. It's met by reorienting ourselves to what we have been given. And that's the thing, is that do we trust that, what we, that Christ knew what he was doing when he gave this to us and the apostles carried it out? Do we trust that? Or do we trust ourselves in the present age? You know, that's always the question. It's a challenge in every single generation, right? Yeah. And uh, it's something that uh, is worth exploring over in Amy's article at Catholic World Report. She's got some of the resolutions that came out of that uh, Third Eucharistic Congress that are fascinating to read in light of some of the discussions going on today. Amy, we've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. Thanks. All right, 37 minutes past the hour. Let's take a quick look at news. Good morning. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is in Israel this morning to show U.S. support following the deadly attacks by the Palestinian militant group Hamas. Blinken is holding talks with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and other leaders. He will try to secure the freedom of about 150 hostages kidnapped by Hamas, some of whom are American. After its stop in Israel, Blinken will travel to Jordan to meet with King Abdullah II and Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. The Catholic News Agency reports Caritas Jerusalem has suspended its operations in Gaza. The Secretary General of Caritas announced that the organization has been forced to suspend its activities for security reasons, but has prepared an emergency plan to offer assistance as soon as the situation allows. Pope Francis has called on Hamas to release all of the hostages they've taken. During his general audience yesterday, he said terrorism and extremism do not help reach a solution to the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians, but fuel hatred, violence and revenge, causing suffering to both sides. The Pope did assert that Israel has a right to defend itself after being attacked, but still the Pope said he was very worried by the total siege that Israel has placed on the Gaza Strip, which has caused many innocent victims. The Holy Father also prayed for the victims of the earthquakes in Afghanistan during his general audience, inviting all people of goodwill to help this people so sorely tried, contributing in a spirit of fraternity to alleviate the suffering of the people and to support the necessary reconstruction. The United Auto Workers strike is adding more members to the picket lines. The union tweeted yesterday that 8,700 members at Ford's Kentucky truck plant are now joining the strike. The plant makes large F-Series pickups. And Governor Mike DeWine has not wasted any time in casting his ballot in Ohio's general election. He and First Lady Fran DeWine showed up for the first day of early voting at the Greene County Board of Elections around 10 a.m. yesterday. DeWine says he voted against Issue 1 and Issue 2, going on to call Issue 1, which would enshrine a right to an abortion in the state constitution, a, quote, very radical proposal. 839 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Here's Paul Lockman, I think. Yeah, there, there you are. There it is. Got my uh, sports music and everything uh, running, clicking. Popping the right way. How about this? Uh, MLB postseason. The Arizona Diamondbacks swept the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Who had that? Not me. 4-2 uh, game three final score from Chase Field. 
pretty neat uh, celebration for the Diamondbacks. They have a pool there at uh, Chase Field, and they all went uh, swimming after the game. Pretty neat. Uh, how about this? Uh, Minnesota Twins, they are out of the playoffs after the Houston Astros knocked them off 3-2 to two at Target Field. They will, uh, the Houston Astros, that is, will take on the AL West rival Texas Rangers in the ALCS. Should be a lot of fun there. Rivalry matchup between the Phillies and Braves went Philadelphia's way. 10-2 final score from Citizens Bank Park. Phillies take a 2-1 series lead. Tonight, Thursday night football, the Chiefs take on the Broncos. That's a look at uh, sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. Are you using the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app? Well, by updating or reinstalling the Sacred Heart Radio app, you get the upgraded features like the daily podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again from the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home to Faith. To reinstall the Sacred Heart Radio app, go to sacredheartradio.com and scan the QR code, and depending on your phone, choose the App Store or Google Play to begin enjoying the latest version of the Sacred Heart Radio app. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible, so to give a gift of any amount, please visit SacredHeartRadio.com and click Donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Mother Mary Christina. Chris McGregor back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, my dear friend. How are you today? I am doing just fine. Thank you. Always happy to have you. And you're um, you're a lay Benedictine, right? A Benedictine oblate. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. But you really, really love all of the Carmelite saints, right? I sure do. I sure do. They have such a uh, way of being able to enter into the very depths of deep listening, Mm-hmm. You know, but one of the practices for a Benedictine oblate is Lexio Divina. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, divine listening, listening to the sacred word. And no one listens quite as deeply as a Carmelite. <laughs> and uh, our, our wonderful St. Teresa of Avila, whose name I took when I became an oblate. 
Um, she uh, she really has such wonderful ways of. While others were mapping the world back in the 1500s, she was map mapping the interior life. Oh man! And uh, yeah. we are so blessed for that. We absolutely are. So this week's selection from the Office of Readings is for her October 15th feast day. How does she reflect in this selection on the friendship that we can have in Christ? Well, we really need that. She reminds us that it's Christ Jesus who dwells in a man as his friend. Now, he dwells within us by virtue of our baptism, right? And so she said, for Christ helps and strengthens us and never abandons us. And this is, you know, this she says he is a true friend. He never leaves, no matter what we do. Sometimes we, we think that, oh, well, I've sinned, and so God's no longer with me. Oh, no, he's right there in it. He's right there in it. I can't help but recall right now so many of us are anxious. So many of us are scared because of what we are hearing and seeing it happen in beautiful Holy Land. I was just there in June, and it just, it just, the, the the, the cry, Rachel weeping for her children. And it, you know, at those times, we need to remember that Christ is right there in the midst of all of that, too. He doesn't leave us. Yeah. And I, that's, you know, she's reminding us of that. Yeah. What more do we desire from such a good friend at our side? Unlike our friends in the world, he will never abandon us when we are troubled or distressed. We have to trust in that. That's right. And so we continually draw upon that. She, you know, this is such a wonderful selection and we could spend hours on it. But she would say that what more do we desire from such a good friend at our side? You know, she said she, she has studied the saints. She's gone back and she too, like us, has reflected on the lives of Francis, Anthony of Padua, Bernard, great Benedictine, Uh uh, Catherine of Siena. And she said, all those, a person must walk along this path in freedom, placing himself in God's hands and having this this friendship, this loving relationship with Jesus. You can't get around him, Anna. It's through him, with him, and in him. Don't try to get around him, right? Exactly, exactly. Whenever we think of Christ, we should recall that the love, we should recall the love that led him to bestow on us so many graces and favors and also the great love God showed in giving giving us in Christ a pledge of his love for love calls for love in return. I mean, this is one of those things that I, I constantly have to bring myself back to, Chris, when, when going through a, a time of distress and wondering, where is the Lord in all this? And it's like, Annie, go back and look at how he operated in your life in the past, and you're going to find him in the exact same way. Oh, yeah. You know, one of her spiritual daughters, the, the wonderful, humble, beautiful uh, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity yeah. will remind us in her retreats that the abyss of his mercy meets the abyss of our misery. Oh, wow. He just he just takes it and assumes it. And that for love calls for love in return. That's that's the dynamic of relationship. Right. And that's the heart of the Trinity. The father loves it's it's a it's a not it's not just a static word. It's a relationship. I mean, you have those beautiful children of yours. If you just looked at him and said, oh, I love you, but you never fed them. You never took care of them, never changed their diaper, never 
did these things that, you know, love does. Um, it, it just, it, it wouldn't mean anything. So, of course, the father loves then in that immediacy. There is the son in return, back and forth and back and forth. And they call us into it, too. Well, and you, it will never abandon us. You know, I love that you made that point about love being in action, because I want to look at a line here that seems really small, a really small point in, in her overall piece here. But but I think it's really striking. I think it's actually a really huge point. She says, God desires that these graces must come to us from the hands of Christ through his most sacred humanity in which God takes delight. You know, I think that some might think that the incarnation was this sort of like divine band-aid, right? Like that mm-hmm. God after the fall was just like, well, this is the only way that I'm going to be able to to save him. I'm going to have to send my son as if this was some sort of like God needs, God didn't know what was going to happen. God needed to fix it. Like, you know, after it's, after it's broken, but, but St. Teresa tells us God takes delight in becoming man. I find that oh, so fascinating. Isn't it? It's just something you could sit and ponder. The fact that he created us in his image. Yeah. When he when when all of creation was finished, the 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 uh, the very pinnacle of it all was the creation of man, and he said it was good. He didn't say it was just good. He said it was very good. And so, of course, when this this moment happened, and we made the man made a choice to turn away from him, it it in essence i don't want to say it broke the heart of god because he's so immense and so unimpotent but that love desired to to love and then have love in return and so he seeks us out he says come back to me as the prophets would say you know and so he he in his he takes form in the humanity that he created us we are good we are very good, and he loves us, and he wants us to experience everything he has reserved for us, but we have to be open to it. Yeah. You know, we, as she says, the line that jumped out at me was, you know, we have to receive, we have to take in that abundance of graces he offers to us. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Chris McGregor. You can find discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Ten till we're talking about Blessed Carlo Acutis coming up next. Mystic Monk Coffee has brought back their pumpkin spice blend, and unlike the competition, buying their coffee has the added bonus of supporting the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming and the Sunrise Morning Show. Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click the Mystic Monk link to get that or any of their other coffee blends or teas. When you check out, we earn a commission. And there's no better vessel for your Mystic Monk pumpkin spice latte than a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug. Find those in our online store. Do pumpkin spice the Catholic way. Just head on over to sonrisemorningshow.com. Hi, I'm Mara Kegney-Tipton with the Kegney Family and Cowell Banker Real Estate, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, brother, Patrick, and I are here to help your family find the perfect home. If you have any real estate questions, 513-720-1411. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. 
Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a great place to shop for Christmas. From custom-made rosaries, heirloom-quality nativities, books and CDs, to Christ-centered gifts for the kids. St. Michael's Rosaries, online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim and uh, Anna Mitchell today, the Feast of Blessed Carlo Acutis. I wish we had more time to talk about him. We don't have a ton. But there are so many cool things that I found out about him, uh, so many great aspects of his life to reflect upon. Uh, my wife and I put together a book that came out a couple years ago. It's a booklet, really. It's called mm-hmm. Dare to Be More, The Witness of Blessed Carlo Acutis. It's avail- available from Liguori Publications. At least I assume it's still available. I have no idea I'm sure it is. Yeah. which of my books are still in print. <laughs> I'm terrible about these things. But um, in it, it's just fascinating to follow his life. So to give you a a bit of a perspective on the timeline, and I, I found this out I was as I was researching. I was trying to correlate events. Mm-hmm. So he was born May third, nineteen ninety one, making him a year younger than Paul Lockman. Yeah. Um. So that was just three months before a British software engineer named Tim Berners Lee introduced the world to the web browser. Wow. Uh, and he died in October of two thousand and six. Uh, it right was right after I graduated college. Right. It was September of 2006 that uh, Facebook, which had recently been renamed from the Facebook, opened up its membership to anyone ages 13 and up with an email address. Mm -hmm. So like that's what that's the that's the time period of Carlo. He comes he is born around the time that the worldwide that the web browser is introduced and then he dies uh, around the time that Facebook is is opened up to the public. He was protected. From yes. the in some ways, his life is a marker smoke. of that really weird transition of of you know the internet being in you know not invented but like becoming widely popularized mm-hmm. to it becoming kind of the social media revolution that it has become and being such a model of how to use it well how yeah, to well, use not- it for evangelization. I mean, I think about him as. I, I don't know if this is too strong of a comparison, but almost like a modern St. Paul who used the Internet of his time, meaning the Roman roads, to spread the gospel. And that's exactly what Carlo was doing. He, I mean, imagine what St. Paul could have done with something like social media, with something like the World Wide Web. And, and you have Carlo Acutis, I think. Yeah, imagine what Carlo could have done with social media because it didn't exist yeah. in any kind of meaningful way. Yeah, time. he died he at message 15. Boards and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, a lot of people who are living right now don't even can't even conceive of a world without Facebook. People talk about Facebook like it's new technology, man. Facebook's been around for 20 years. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, but uh, I, I think one of the other things that's cool about this story and doesn't get talked about very much is we often think of Carlo as an only child. And he was during his lifetime. Uh, interestingly enough... Uh, so after his death, about four years later, and I believe, I just want to make sure that the date is correct, uh, 
Yeah, it was on the exact anniversary of his passing. Carlo's mom gave birth to twins. Wow. A boy and a girl who were able to be at Carlo's beatification. So bear in mind. Imagine. They have an older brother who they never knew. They're 10 years old. They're at his beatification. That's amazing. Just wrap your mind around that for a minute. No pressure, kids. Yeah. It's like, why can't you be more like your brother? <laughs> who's a beatified saint? Who's been raised wow. to the altars. Wow, wow, wow. At any rate, um, you can find a link to uh, to Dare to Be More at sunrisemorningshow.com. Also in our show notes today, there's a prayer that I wrote that's in the back of this that I used uh, in our 7 o'clock hour. Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray for us. We'll talk to you all tomorrow morning. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Sacred Heart Radio is your local Catholic station and your source for news from the Catholic perspective. SacredHeartRadio.com is where you can find and share information on issues facing Ohio in November that are so important to the pro-life community. And that's not to mention our commitment to prayer. At SacredHeartRadio.com, you'll find resources and events to help you pray for a culture of life. So please visit SacredHeartRadio.com, your local source for pro-life information and prayer. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community community action from fertilization to natural death find Dayton right to life online at DaytonLife.org that's DaytonLife.org support for Sacred Heart Radio is from JC Health Insurance agent George Justin if you're turning 65 retiring or simply have Medicare questions George has answers George is your pro-family pro-life guide to Medicare helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs all at no cost to you Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. In the past decade, more people have chosen natural or green options when planning a funeral, and the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society can help. Natural or green burials are actually quite traditional. It's how people were laid to rest for most of human history. Find out more about natural or green options for burial or cremation at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, where they also offer zero financing for pre-planning. The Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or at cccsohio.org. I'm Father Ethan Moore from Catholic Bearcat University of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more.